0: Sneak through, but I guess it worked too well because we're all under this spell. Gosh, I really hope it wears off before act two.
1: Welcome to Gimmicks, a podcast about the high concept, experimental, structure-breaking gimmick episodes of TV, from musicals to noirs, to a rock opera that's one of the best TV musical episodes in years, in my opinion, coming in hot today. I'm Derek B. Gale, and who's with me today? <clears throat>
2: gimmicks i'm heading over to gimmicks to talk about dead and with
0: one of my best friends tell everyone you know
1: it's me doug hell yeah love it now hey doug <laughs> hi <laughs> which aspect of hell uh-huh feels more appealing to you if you had to pick one to experience yourself okay eating breakfast with maggots instead of milk getting dressed with chunks of dead flesh, getting boiled alive, or having your spine ripped out.
2: See, this is interesting. Um, I know the question you're actually asking me, but I expected the maggots and milk thing to come up uh, because Uh I hate milk and now have to think to myself, which would I rather eat cereal with? Yeah, Um, for sure. And I think maybe that's the worst as a result. (laughs) 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 To be faced with that question at all. (laughs)
1: you're welcome thanks so much (laughs) yeah well thanks the show for having these delightful lyrics (laughs) we are talking about dead end paranormal park season one episode nine entitled phantom of the theme park real quick if you are unfamiliar with dead end paranormal park which wouldn't surprise me because it's a pretty new show uh, it is an animated fantasy horror series appeared on netflix earlier this summer created by eisner winning comic artist and animation director hamish Steele, based on his comics dead endia which were in turn based on his web short the cartoon hangover short dead end follows two teens, Barney and Norma, and Barney's newly magical talking pug, Pugsley, who work at this, like, Dollywood-inspired theme park um, that's, like, also haunted with ghosts witches demons and all sorts of supernatural forces so show follows them fighting monsters and demons and unraveling the mysteries of the parks owner and inspiration Pauline Phoenix it became uh, pretty quickly known for its like intersectional LGBTQ uh, representation and like authentic casting for that as well um, so much so that it's angered a lot of conservatives what? but <laughs> that t- means that it's doing something right in my opinion mm-hmm. but you know because of that it's also garnered I think a pretty loyal queer following even you know even though it's it's still a pretty pretty new show so uh with all that doug what's your personal history with dead end
2: yeah um <clears throat> first off now you know why i needed my water next to me <laughs> like, <laughs> practicing that ahead of time and i'm now so glad shredded my you, voice which is a good thing to do before a podcast
1: i'm so glad that you had that prepared yeah <laughs>
2: Um, my history with Dead End uh, actually starts with Dead Endia, the graphic novels. Um, I don't know which came first. I don't know if I was following Hamish Steele first or if I was reading the graphic novels first. But at some point, um, both of those things were happening. And so I had read through the first graphic novel and then a couple of years ago, I think at this point, Hamish had announced that it was being turned into a cartoon uh, and I was like stoked. So I've been anxiously awaiting this for many, many years at this point, yeah. or I guess like a, a couple of
1: years. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I feel, I, I followed Hamish Steele for a long time, but I think probably just through like you and other, you know, he's like, he's a cute gay nerd. Yep. Like yeah. he's going to show up on all of our feeds. So it makes sense. So I think I followed him just for that. I, i i never read any dead endia stuff i'd heard of it i think i remember even hearing about it on tumblr cuz it was a big tumblr thing mm-hmm. like um, so I, I think I remember seeing it there but I just never really paid much attention to it it was just like one of those titles that always floated around I was like maybe I'll check that out at some point I don't know anything about it but you know I don't even know when I eventually connected the dots that like Hamish Steele and Dead Endia were like the same thing <laughs> and so you know so so this show I, I can't say that it was really on my radar other than the fact that I would just see Hamish Steele tweeting about it yeah. um, I think honestly I really ended up watching it because you talked it up so much oh. uh, before it even came out
2: that makes me very happy, I must say, because I've been trying so hard to get people to watch this show. Not that it's necessarily difficult, but like I just, mm-hmm. I'm trying to make sure everyone knows it exists, you know?
1: Yeah, well it's hard to miss it on Netflix and, you know, Netflix cancels things very quickly, so it's like you want to make sure you get people in mm-hmm. early yep. uh, who might be even marginally interested because otherwise it's just going to fly under the radar yep. and then no one will see it and then it'll be gone forever and like, you don't want that to happen, especially when it's a, a good quality queer show too
2: oh for sure I uh when it dropped I it it dropped uh at a time when I wasn't able to actually like binge it uh but I did make sure it was like (laughs) binging on each profile on my Netflix like in that first couple days (laughs) I was like it needs plays this needs people to watch it
1: I didn't watch it right when it came out but I watched it you know pretty soon after and then any any rewatches that I've done I've rewatched this particular episode like seven eight nine ten times Mm -hmm. Uh, I do it on the kids' account, because I think Hamish even said himself that, like, that probably counts more for Netflix since it is technically, oh. at least according to Netflix's, like, yeah. um, metrics or whatever it is technically like a kids show and it makes it more likely to show up on like the top 10 for kids shows and that's apparently very important for netflix marketing or whatever or at least so we're told it's all a mystery with streaming services
2: that's interesting i didn't realize that i just figured if it was categorized as kids it wouldn't matter who was watching it but that does make sense the more i think about it time to create a kid's
1: profile yeah yeah so i've I, i i watched through the whole show Leading, like, rewatched it again, you know, leading up to this podcast because it's 10 very short episodes. It is so easy to, to yeah. get through this whole season and you can, yeah, you can knock it out in just like a day or two. Um, so I just rewatched all of it on the kids' account. So I hope I feel like I did my part. I've served my country. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep.
0: <laughs> Hello, I'm Pauline
3: Phoenix. We'll be at my very own theme park. Come on, Bugsy. If I get this job, we can get a place of our own. Opportunity at Phoenix Park's Dead End Attraction. Please arrive at sundown.
4: Uh, Welcome, mortals. You two must be the offerings. I didn't know there'd be a choice.
3: I rescind my application. The job's yours! Pugsley, please.
0: DO NOT GIVE ORDERS TO THE GREAT Temelucus.
3: Ah!
4: Lucas's
0: SOUL IS NOW IN THAT DOG FOR GOOD! I'M BACK! OH, YEAH, I TALK NOW! OH, AND I ALSO HAVE MAGIC POWERS! Ah-ha!
3: STEP RIGHT IN! <laughs> OH, STOP THIS! THIS IS THE FIRST PLACE I'VE EVER FELT LIKE I COULD JUST TRULY BE MYSELF! BUT THAT'S HOW I FEEL! YOU LEFT ME! NO, NO, I LEFT... EVERYTHING!
4: It's exactly what it looks like.
1: Yeah, so there's not really a long history with the show in particular. I will say, though, I really liked the show, you know, watching it. um, But it really, I don't think it was until getting to this episode in particular that I think it, like, really clicked with me. And then retroactively made me love what I had watched eight episodes before, like, Mm -hmm. way more. Like, and now, you know, it's made me love the whole thing even more than I already did. Although I will say, I think that there is something really i'm sure you know this will just kind of naturally come up but like there is something i think really fascinating about how this particular show it's it is only 10 episodes and they're all roughly like 20 something minutes long and they still do like I think like four high concept episodes, depending on how you rate it. Like Mm -hmm. before this episode, which is a musical episode, which you're going to get very into. There's a game show episode. There's like your real time waiting in line episode. And then there's like a trapped in TV land episode, all in like rapid succession. And then, and then this musical episode is like a pen is the penultimate episode before the finale. And that's like almost half of your season is like kind of a high concept episode. Uh, episode premise which i think is so cool and so gutsy for a short run and a kids show you know yeah i mean one
2: animation's like the perfect uh medium to do that right like you can do whatever you want um because the you're creating it you don't have to film it you know you don't have to Mm -hmm. come up with like how you're gonna make a shot because they're all kind of made uh through similar means right um and then two like when you when you said like, yeah, hey, there's a bunch of gimmick episodes like you can choose, I will admit like I was afraid to do the musical episode because, mm-hmm. I mean, because it, one, it's amazing. So like one, just like doing justice talking about it is, sure. is intimidating. But two, like I just said one, two, one, two, whatever. Many points are being made <laughs> here. Okay. But the other side of, of me being nervous about it was I don't know much about musical episodes. You know, mm-hmm. I... Like I don't. It's funny you talk about like these great musical episodes, and I just feel like I haven't intersected with them. I'm sure some of them I have, but um, I just I I have so many questions. So I'm glad I'm glad this is where we're going.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I, I got you. First of all, that's fine. I I like having someone who isn't super entrenched with musical stuff here because then it's sort of like, am I just you know? There's always the question of like, do I just like musical the musical episode because it's a musical episode and I like musical episodes, you know, is my, is am I am I grading everything on a curve anyway? So having you here not being someone who's like super, who's not like, Oh, that's a reference to X or whatever, like not caring about that stuff. Cause do not have the same familiarity or context. And still, I think finding appreciation in it and recognizing that it's a really fucking good musical episode. Mm-hmm. I think st- it, I, I mean, it's validating for me personally, who's been touting that this is one of the <laughs> best musical episodes I've seen yeah. in years. Uh, but, you know, also it's just like, I think it speaks to how good it is that like you don't really necessarily need to be, you know, a musical theater nerd or whatever, I think, to appreciate it. I wouldn't even say that I'm a musical theater nerd in particular. There are people whose like kind of entire main main like media identities are forged around Broadway musicals. And that's very much not me. Yeah. I I like I like musicals, but I don't have a huge knowledge base on Broadway type stuff. Um I have like my 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 I I have I have like sort of one foot in theater just because of the spheres that I've been and the places that I've worked and places that I've studied and stuff. But like I haven't seen a ton of Broadway shows on Broadway honestly, and usually musical stuff. I'm more interested in like movie musicals and TV episode musicals. So even still. I think, like, watching an episode like this, it was fun to sort of learn more about some of the references that they're mm-hmm. pulling from and making to the stuff that I'm even, like, a little bit less familiar with, you know?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, my my uh, relationship with musicals, I guess, is just, like, the few I was in in high school and then whatever I've seen at the theater, and none of which was on Broadway, you know? Sure, um, yeah. And so, like, the little bit I know is entirely related to the theater. Like, I don't even really understand how an episode like this would come together In animation it's a little easier for me to conceptualize I think the live action ones like truly blow my mind yeah um, that's why
1: many of them are really bad is because yeah. they're very hard to do
4: <laughs> well
2: and I I, I, I can I, I can imagine why I mean I don't know but I can imagine why um this one though like it, it's I like that you're saying it's one of the best ones you've watched in years because one of my impressions when I got to this episode even knowing there was a musical episode um was like Holy shit. If this is what like musical episodes of TV are, like I'm missing out, you know, cuz this mm-hmm. was like I, I I haven't watched the whole series like over and over, but this episode I've watched over
1: and over. Oh yeah. It's just so good. Like how could you not? Yeah, it's it's a really good fusion of Of good songs and they're pulling from great references, but like every, every song in this musical, when we go through the episode, I'll pull out, you know, what it seems like they're sort of referencing or, or, or pulling from or parodying in some respects, but like it's that, but they're also like good songs on their own in their own right. Like you don't need you don't need to know anything about what they're referencing to appreciate the songs and i think it's in the context of a good story a really well told story like it's it's really well plotted this episode fucking moves too it's so fast paced so much happens in it and it's like the emotional climax of the entire like season you know, the entire storyline of the full season at this point. Like That's what's
2: truly wild about it, is it's so integrated into the story that's already being told and the, the the portion of the story that's already being told. Like, it almost feels like, I know that they could have come up with, you know, eight different ways to, to get to where they need to go, but this feels like it needed to be the one, right? Like, just yeah. the way they do it. It's like, well, of course it's going to be a musical episode.
1: Yeah, there, there's a lot of things that happen in this episode. Again, uh, there's stuff that I'll call out that it's sort of like, I could see the version of the episode where if this wasn't a musical, the events would have still unfolded. And I don't think it would have been as compelling. And I think it would have worked as well. It's like, it almost ends up being constructed where it, it does need to be a musical here yeah. to, I think effectively sell some of the plot points that they have that are instrumental to the story that they're telling to get to the end of it in the finale after this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it's wild that this is the second to last episode period. <laughs> like For real, it's, it's not, that's like, it's not that that's never happened before, but it doesn't happen often, and I think for good reason, because like a lot of stuff that needs to get done in your penultimate episode, if you're a serialized show and and it's it's these are challenging and if you get a musical episode wrong then like that could ruin your whole season right um so it's it's just such it's such a gutsy move to to do it here even even like some of the greatest musicals you know the the Buffy one I think is sort of like the prime example and and this episode is very much pulling from the Buffy musical in a lot of regards but even that is like the seventh episode of a 22 episode season you know like there's a big difference so there's
2: (laughs) my first question right is is like i was very surprised at how integrated into the story they were telling in the season of the show this musical episode is and since i'm not very familiar with tv musicals like is it is that normally the case or is it more what i would have expected which is like a very standalone kind of confined episode uh of a of a show like does it normally play into things or no or is it all over the place?
1: I think it's pretty 50-50 actually. Okay. I I, I think um cuz and it's and it's and it's good both good and bad both ways. I think on this podcast alone, the other two musical episodes that I've covered Um, or the Scrubs musical and a Riverdale musical and the Riverdale musical is like very instrument. It is like kind of a, a major, like kind of, I guess it's not technically the climax is a lot of, there's a lot, there's a number of episodes after it, but like it is a major, like major shift in like tone and plot. And is like instrumental to the plot of that season in that episode. Um, the Scrubs musical on the other hand, even though Scrubs is a pretty serialized show, you, there's barely anything going on. It pretty much is just like, let's have fun with musical stuff. All very low stakes, minor things happen. It's not very, not, you know, not much changes. And both of those episodes are very, very good. Like for what they're doing individually mm-hmm. and the Buffy musical, I think that one Another reason it is the prime example is because it is like one of the most important episodes of the entire series, not just that season, but I would argue like that series as a whole. Um, And so the way that they're able to sort of move these like really major, you know, character stories and plot elements forward forward in that one episode um, is one of the reasons why it's so highly regarded, you know, while also having like banger songs.
2: Yeah that's wild yeah I I, I I that's so cool, like it it really, truly is not what I expected. I hate to say that I was expecting less, but I think it 's because I expected something of a general musical episode mm-hmm. um that isn't that sounds like it isn't necessarily true, so that's, yeah, that's exciting.
1: I would also say too that like you know the the score of this show is fine mostly like I don't it doesn't it, the score never stood out to me you know when I was watching it it's like perfectly normal it fits the show I love like the uh the end the end credits music a lot like it's a nice tune when I realized that this was going to be a musical episode it wasn't like a thing that I was waiting to happen you know I don't even know I didn't even know that it was a musical episode I didn't even know that there was going to be one until I got to this episode and they started singing and then I was like is this a musical episode um <laughs> and and even then I was like still like unsure because it's like i nothing there have been no other musical sequences no one has like sang like this could all be a catastrophe how there's there's no there's nothing that tells you that it's going to work and then not only does it work but like they'd knock it out of the goddamn park like (laughs) it
2: it, absolutely over the moon it's
1: amazing (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah so so this type of musical episode I I would classify it a little more Leaning to like rock opera I feel like it's more of a rock opera type musical Um, It's got uh, nods to a lot of famous Musicals Um, the premise like I said it's very similar to the Buffy Musical once more with feeling that one Is also one that's very plot heavy it's Also an episode where the musical Is due to a magic spell like Forcing everyone to sing and dance magically And them sort of being aware that they are In a musical so they're very Much riffing on that Um, I mean And like the creators like Hamish Steele in interviews has like fully been like, yeah, that's totally what we're doing. We're not trying to hide. Sure. It. Because everybody knows what the Buffy musical episode did. They did it well. We're doing it too. And guess what? They also did it well. So good job. Okay. Um, <laughs> so
2: here's my second big question right off yeah. the jump. I can imagine two scenarios where a musical episode makes sense in any show. And one of them is magic, which is what we're talking about and what Buffy did. And the other is a school production or a production of a show uh, and that's where you get your musical from. Mm-hmm. Are there, like, what other, what are Dreams. other notable? Dream oh. sequences, and... Uh, that's a good, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, dream sequences, and more than one hospital drama has done, okay. like, a brain tumor that makes the patient visualize everyone as singing and dancing. Okay, sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> did Sabrina ever do a musical episode? I feel like it must have. I
1: think they did. I think, well, Sabrina, I feel like, would do, like, musical sequences. More than one. Yeah, because they would do like musical sequences within their episodes anyway. I don't remember a full episode musical, but I'm sure that they did. They must have. They must have. Yeah, they had to. So this musical, the people behind it, so fascinating. It makes so
2: much sense. Once I learned, it made so mm -hmm. much sense.
1: Yeah, so the original songs, Michael Kuman is the composer, I think, of the whole show. and He, he, he was uh, one of the co-writers for the songs, um, but I think probably the major creative force for the songs themselves is Patrick Stump, who, what? if you don't know who that is, <laughs> lead vocalist and guitarist of Fall Out Boy. Uh-huh. He's also the voice of this minor supporting character, Josh, on this show, which I oh. did not know. Did not know until like long until having watched this over and over again and then doing research. Like, oh my God, I didn't realize that.
2: Derek, I was trying to figure out who he was. I mean, this whole time. I never I guess I just didn't think to look it up or whatever. Cause I was so convinced, I was like, I got I I feel like I can figure this out. And now it makes so much sense because his whole like Josh's whole feature moment is like holding out notes and doing exactly what Patrick stuff yeah. does with like holding out a note, right? He's like, the oh my first, God,
1: that makes so much sense. He's the first singing voice you hear. Like uh-huh. he starts the musical is his big belting voice. So
0: I think about death. And how many years we've all got live and how many hours I've spent cleaning up puke.
2: That's amazing.
1: Right. I have, a, I have a quote about that, actually, because I think there I'll get into it a little bit later, but there was originally going to be like an opening song that wasn't what we got. But they decided to sort of cut what the original opening song was. Um, one reason being because they actually did think that it would be f- funny if like the first character that you hear singing to signal it in to signal you that it is a musical episode is for one a minor character that like uh-huh. has the least amount of focus and development and also a minor minor character that is voiced by the lead singer fallout boy like belting out singing about puke <laughs> singing about puke yeah <laughs> yeah so that was definitely like that was definitely like an intentional choice once they figured that out and I think it's great it's such a fun like yeah. once you know that and then revisit it it is so hysterically funny that it's like, oh, that is the Fallout yeah. Boy singing at the beginning of this episode.
2: <laughs> I'm I'm so upset that I didn't know that or couldn't couldn't figure it out. Even knowing that Patrick Stump wrote the music or helped write the music for this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm so mad. I I I really genuinely think that Patrick Stump is like an incredible vocalist who doesn't get credit for being an incredible vocalist, probably because he got started in like a pop punk band.
1: Yeah. A pop punk band where he like did not, (laughs) I'm glad that he enunciates better than he used to. Sure.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's all stylistic, you know? It totally is.
1: It gives me a more appreciation for fall. Like I liked fallout boy, like in high school, I guess, you know, like I enjoyed, Mm -hmm. I liked them when they were popular when they first came out. And then I feel like I kind of just, you know, I, I grew out of it i guess oh, like it's that's not so th-
2: funny because like i wasn't super into them for like their first two albums that were like very pop punk mm-hmm. and then like infinity uh infinity on high came out and that's when patrick stump really started like belting and i was like holy fuck well, this thing- dude can really sing i think this this <laughs>
1: retroactively makes me like like fallout boy more and want to revisit it again because i think you know you don't you don't really give like any, like a lot of pop albums credit a lot of times. When they're very popular, it's just sort of like, eh, whatever. Like it feels, you know, it, I think it's really easy to just be like, like, I don't know. There's just some like band of dudes just like singing. Like it's really easy to write mm-hmm. popular musicians off like in commercial, especially when they get to like the level of like popular commercial that Fall Out Boy was yeah. and I guess still is technically. I don't know if they're still together or not, but it makes me like kind of like appreciate because he is obviously a really good, good musician. He's a good singer and all of these songs fucking rip in this. And I know that he was a major part of it because uh, a number of like the storyboard artists, editors, and I think Hamish himself have released some animatics and storyboards from this episode. And they have the demo vocals as well. And pretty much all of the demo vocals are done by patrick stump oh my god i
2: need it injected into my veins directly do
1: you i was gonna save this for like when we were getting to the song but we can just do it now because we're on the topic I can just right now send you the link to <sighs> Patrick Stump doing Phantom oh of God. the Theme Park <gasps> if you want to hear Fan- oh if you want to hear Patrick Stump doing a Coco Peru impression uh, because it is the fucking best. It's so good. The song on the demo is even kind of different. I'll cut it in. We'll see how this works. Maybe we'll overlay it. Maybe we'll overlay your live reactions or not. We'll see how it goes. But just I just uh, sent it to
2: you. This. I mean, I. Uh, I'm, I'm, I already have chills and I haven't even started. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I can't sit still. Come on, Stump.
1: Yeah. You'll hear him singing as Norma and then as Pauline, and it's Oh, my gosh.
2: All I'm going to be listening to now is Fall Out Boy for, like, the next two weeks. That and Beyonce. Mm Mm-hmm. Effortless, too, by the way. Yeah. That's what I don't think people realize.
1: Yeah. Hearing him sing as totally different characters in he does in the driver's seat as in one of these demos too and it's astounding how good he is.
2: Oh, here we go. you oh. do me a little favor here. Amazing. Isn't it good? It's so good. I think they're like from Chicago or the Midwest or something. So this it's
1: not even like. Yeah.
2: It's amazing. It's not like he's even reverting to like a Southern accent or something.
1: No, it's amazing.
2: Oh my gosh.
1: Beautiful. Yeah. uh I'll pause it there. But oh cool. my gosh, so good. It really is. Uh. Yeah. You should watch. Yeah, I think there's one for Phantom of the Hume Park, one for. Um, In the driver's seat, and one for I think my Frankenstein. I believe those Um, are the two
2: that I would have wanted to hear the most for sure. Yeah, because well, we'll get to each song, but ooh,
1: ooh, yeah, it's (laughs) it's good, it's good, and it's and it's wild because like if you would have asked me, I would have said like no, I cannot imagine anyone other than the people in this episode singing the songs, and then hearing Patrick Stump do it. It's just sort of like. Ooh, I mean, I wouldn't have. I would be interested to hear the entire musical episode with I just mean, him doing all of the voices too, because he's very good at it. So. I was just going to say, like, I don't
2: know who this is up to or if it's even something they're interested in, but, like, if they just wanted to release, like, the Patrick Stump version of this, mm-hmm. like, he's done solo stuff. He's. And he did all of it himself. So, like, he could do it and it would probably absolutely rule
1: (laughs) yeah well a big bummer about this the so far the only song from the entire soundtrack not even demos but the entire one that's been officially released is my frankenstein like you know officially released on like music platforms with no sound effects or whatever right and i think hamish said on twitter that it's like it's not up to him and it's not up to even netflix i don't know who it's actually up to i don't know if it's like patrick stump's like license or whatever those words would be i don't know (laughs)
2: I mean, there are, there are many parties, right? I mean, even just the fact that they have somebody who came in just to do, uh, writing for this episode and not even the episode, but like the music, I imagine there's probably a lot that, that tangles things up.
1: Yeah. But, but I, I know that like many people other than us are clamoring for that and asking for that, including people who are working on the show. I know Hamish has also said like about other like demo tracks and like, you know, cut songs and stuff like that. Like, interested in releasing it in some form somehow it's just a matter of doing it I think it's very cool that we get these demos on YouTube with you yeah. know with the storyboards at all is really neat like that's yeah oh, I for mean sure it's the kind of stuff that you would get on like a DVD set mm-hmm. as a special feature it's just but you know the show's probably not going to get it because streaming shows don't get that anymore so this is the yeah. best you can really do so I'm glad that they're so active in doing it because it's so cool to hear and just gives me that much more appreciation for how much like. Work and talent was in this show
2: god now i need people to watch it even more than they already were (laughs) because like i want not only do i want like the the clean soundtrack right i want like the patrick stump version especially because i know fallout boy has uh an appreciation for like horror stuff uh like their whole uma thurman song is like a mashup with the monsters music (laughs) like they get it you know what i mean so I, I just oh I want both of those I want a DVD set with special features like every please please everybody just watch it
1: I know <laughs> Well, and
2: then <laughs> scream about it also.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean the stranger things I don't think got a got a DVD set beyond season 1. So I think the this <laughs> a show that popular it doesn't get physical that. release. Yeah, my I bought it for my parents because they were that's the only way that they can watch it because mm. they can't get uh streaming internet where they are. So yeah. you know, you could get your show out to more places and make a little bit extra money if you did physical releases. Uh, anyway, I'll just be happy if the show gets, you know, another oh season, God. period. Seriously. Seriously.
2: <laughs> I want it so bad. I want I know. It so bad. Especially because like I don't know if you plan on talking much, but I know you said you haven't read the graphic novels, so I'm sure we're not diving mm-hmm. deep into those, but like, Derek, when I tell you there is so much fucking cool stuff that this show can continue to do without even going outside of the graphic novels. Like if they stuck to the confines of the graphic novels, like the shit is so
1: good. It's so good. That's fascinating. I do want to. I want to check them out now because I, I love this show so much, and I know that the yeah. show, like, is does have some significant changes from the graphic novel. Yes. But even still, like, I know the graphic novel I think is like a little bit more, like, older oriented, right? Like, it's a little less kid friendly from my understanding.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's still, um, it's still. Like I would let my ten-year-old niece read them, no problem. Sure. It's not, you know, they're not going to get anything vulgar from it or anything. Okay. Um, but all the characters I believe are older I, in this show. They're meant to be teenagers, right?
1: I think that he said they're seventeen. I believe okay. so, like verging, you know, on on legal. Yeah. Limits, in basically.
2: in the graphic novels, they're all like between twenty and twenty-four.
1: Oh, word. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha.
2: It gotcha. doesn't really change that much. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. they uh, they look very similar. Um, they still have similar kinds of relationships so
1: sure that makes sense yeah there's just a few other uh, other things on like the the kind of background of like making this musical at all because i do think that that's always a question of like okay well why did you decide to do a musical especially in your first season (laughs) like and and i don't and i think this is the first show that hamish has actually like show run i think he's done he's written a lot of comics and he's done some shorts but like as far as creating and like show running an entire show this is his first outing so it's pretty fucking wild to do a really complicated musical episode in like your first show that you've ever done you know
2: can i guess one of the reasons that i hope is true sure i hope that one of the reasons is he recognized that he might not get another shot and said let's just fucking do all of it
1: yeah, that's pretty much... Yeah, he says pretty much... I This is an Good. interview with Awards Watch. He said, pretty much I treated this show like I'd never get another chance to make a show. And so pretty much the day we got the green light, I was like, yeah. we are doing a musical episode.
2: I mean, I hate that that's <laughs> the circumstances that it comes out of, right? Like, they, yeah. it shouldn't be so... Um like tenuous and fragile and fickle in the way that it is. But I like that that's the way he approached it. And even if if more was guaranteed, I would hope that more creators would take that approach just in what they're doing to say like, you know what, let's just do it. Like this is our chance. Like we have the chance right now. So let's go.
1: Well, it ends up challenging you, too, because, you know, you you throw out all of your what you think are your best ideas and most ambitious ideas early on. And then if you get to keep going beyond that, it's going to make you like push harder and be even more ambitious. And theoretically, you get better stuff out of it, you know. And
2: like if you if you are worried that you can't do more and so you play safer, I feel like you're lowering your chances of getting more because you're you're lessening your impact. You know, yeah. I I've read a little bit of, of stuff uh, from Hamish that I'm sure you're going to get into as far as interviews and stuff go, but I'm just really glad that they did decide to like stick to a lot of the, the, the swings that they took and really had the opportunity to do that. It sounds like.
1: Yeah. Like I said, I don't think I would have loved this show as much as I did without this episode and without seeing them take the big swings that they did, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad that they did it. Um, and he says too, like, that, that, that like, it, it wasn't like there was this particular idea for this specific musical. It was just like, we want to do a musical. He said we, we, we didn't even know what it would be. Uh, obviously, they're pleased with how it came out. Um, he says, uh, I sometimes feel like we stuffed a movie inside of a TV show by secret. <laughs> and it kind of comes out of nowhere. Uh, after the first song and then the second song starts, you're like, wait, this is the whole musical episode? Are we doing this? Is the kind of feeling I wanted to give people. That is the exact experience I had because I know you knew you knew to expect one. Yeah. I had had no idea that that there was a musical episode in the show at all. And so I was so, I was so, I was delighted when it first, you know, when it first started. And like I said before, I was like a little bit apprehensive because it's like, I don't know if this would work, but I'm, I'm excited that they're doing it. And then, and you know, there's still that question of like okay, was it like one little fun little musical joke and then it's a regular episode? Are they really going to do the whole episode as a musical? And then uh, it just gets better and better and better as it goes
2: along. They even make a joke in the episode, like hopefully this ends before the second act. So you're like, oh, I hope it doesn't. I know, right? (laughs) You know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then it doesn't.
1: <laughs> he said that they started working on the songs like as early as possible just to see if it was even possible. So that way, you know, if it was like, yeah. wow, this really isn't working, let's scrap this idea, do a different episode nine. Mm-hmm. Um, but that means that like they were working on this like super early, like as early as, as, you know, I guess from writing like the the after the pilot. And he said it ended up taking about the same amount of time to write this one musical episode as it did to write all other nine episodes combined.
2: Damn.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I
2: I love the whole show. There's, like, not an episode of the show that, that I found boring or disappointing or anything. Mm-hmm. And this episode still, like, I feel like the work shows. Like, I feel like all the work that clearly went into it, like, really comes through. It's so good.
1: Yeah, and this is what you were referring to earlier, Doug, with, like, how it sort of plays into, you know, the season as a whole and, like, that it's not just, like, a standalone. Mm-hmm. Um, He said that what we desperately wanted – Uh, It was for it to not feel like a gimmicky episode that people could skip it's the penultimate episode because it's where the character journeys are at their peak. So they have a lot of stuff to sing about. We wanted us and we wanted the songs to matter. We didn't want them to just be filler. It's an opportunity to check in where all the characters are emotionally before the finale. It's definitely the aspect of the show I'm proudest of. And I hope I can write more musicals because it was really fun. I hope so too.
2: But <laughs> you should this. We've said it so many times this fucking rips like, and I, I love that that was the mindset because I've, I feel like in the vast majority of these songs, if not all of them, like it's true that, that they come at a point where each character is like faced with like their main thing or one of their main things, you know? And so Mm. it's cool to get that expressed in such an emotional artistic way.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He said that, uh, uh, um, you know, they would love to do another musical episode if they get more seasons. One of the other ideas he already threw out there. I think, I think this is like from before they settled on, you know, the sort of rock opera that they ended up doing. Okay. They did have one idea of doing a <laughs> – I think you might love this. Okay. A demon, a demon Eurovision song <gasps> contest where all the different demon worlds competed. Oh, my God. He said that would just be a collection of weird pop songs, uh, but he wanted, oh, yeah. he wanted something a bit more like Broadway musical He's this, also which is why they went with this.
2: He's also underselling uh, the potential, and I know he knows this, underselling the potential for that as just like a collection of weird songs. Like It does you, sound really fun. You could do a lot. And I know he knows that because I'm over here in, in the United States where we don't deserve anything that good. Um, <laughs> you know? And, and mm-hmm. if I know it, I know he knows it. That would be incredible. Everything you tell me just makes me like... <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Want to quit my job and just live life working as, like, you know, spreading the good word of this show to everybody on the planet.
1: Preach it. I, I love just, it. just, <laughs> like, all the ideas are so your, good. Your missionary work. Like, I know, like, right? Sorry, I'm taking two years off of work. I'm going, uh, mm-hmm. you know, going going, going on, uh, on my missionary trip. Right. Like, oh, where are you going? Oh, you know, around America, just telling people about this TV show.
2: <laughs> right. I didn't used to believe in uh, organized religion or missionary work, but now... <laughs>
1: yeah i'm TV, spreading the
2: word of uh, dead India,
1: the tv show you know all about hell and demons <laughs> <laughs>
2: right exactly yeah
1: yeah um i know th- i i i didn't i didn't put it down in my notes but i think i read it on twitter when someone was asking him like is the idea to try to do a musical episode every year. And I think he kind of struck it down just because this was so hard to do. Um, and it was kind of exhausting to do. Like, I think he said that, you know, it might be a thing where they have a musical sequence, but not necessarily a full musical. Sure. Cause this thing is, it's not fully sung through but it's almost fully sung through. Yeah. Like there's very few minutes of this episode where someone isn't singing, which is mm-hmm. really astounding. I still wouldn't be surprised because, you know, they haven't been renewed for another season. I wouldn't be surprised by by the time it goes into production. Maybe it changes and it's sort of like, Oh, maybe we should do another musical episode. Yeah. I wouldn't be mad if that happened, but you know, as long as they, uh, they, they don't exhaust themselves. Right. With doing it. And you want <laughs> it to
2: still be inspired. I feel like, um, I, I feel like, When you haven't done anything yet and you know you want to do a musical episode, then, yeah, sometimes you have to find where it makes the most sense. But once you've done it and it's a banger, like, you know, find the inspiration. Don't do it just because. Yeah. I do think the Eurovision idea is pretty inspired.
1: I really (laughs) like that idea. And it's also, like, it feels like kind of um it's not like esoteric like plenty of people obviously know what eurovision is but like it's not it's not really a mainstream thing in america like so i think american audiences i think would yeah. find it like as as a really neat sort of curiosity in a way that i think a lot of this show does you know mm-hmm. the only other sort of uh, uh background thing that i had before we start digging into things um, I, this is what i'm always curious about you know it's like one downside to musical episodes is that If you decide to do a musical episode late enough in the process, like, you know, in a later season or something, you're not necessarily casting people who can sing. So a lot of times some TV musicals, even if they're good, they're populated by actors that are like really out of their element with trying to sing. Um, With this one, they were intentionally casting people who could sing. Uh, said oh, they, really? I wonder about that, that. Because they were working so early on the musical episode, knowing that they were doing it, um, he said we were getting very excited when we were auditioning people. Um, he says, and then finding out that they all could sing really well. So, like, yeah. I guess they weren't necessarily, like, specifically searching for people that, would, that, that could sing, but it definitely had to play a factor in it, because sure. that was something that they were, like checking in on as they were auditioning them
2: i wondered about that because some of some of the folks singing i know obviously can sing and it's a thing they do like pugsley's Mm -hmm. actor Mm -hmm. can sing already and is known for it i have stuff to talk (laughs) about him later yeah yeah some of them i was like like i know i know miss coco peru but like i don't know uh, like I didn't know if that was a thing she does, you know. I know of her, yeah. I don't know her like uh, super duper well. Uh, so I yeah. was like, I wonder if these folks are out of their element. You know, a drag yeah. queen can kind of do anything, but yeah.
1: Well, that's the thing I was thinking about because pretty everyone in this musical has a beautiful voice and, and nails yeah. it. And the only one that I think is is interesting is Miss Coco Peru, like who does like the really f- like who has this really great performance in a lot of like kind of that that sort of Broadway talk singing kind of mm-hmm. way. Like one of one of the most Interesting things I remember a high school director Told me that always stuck with me Since I was a teenager and this might Be a thing that you know other like Professional singers and stuff disagree with but He said like you don't necessarily have to be able to sing to be a Broadway star you just have to be able to perform and like there Mm -hmm. are broad you know I think of someone like Carol Channing who's like a Tony Award winner and who's like known for being a singer but like she doesn't have a traditionally quote-unquote good singing voice she is like good at performing the really interesting voice that she has and I think that this is the sort of like performance that you know you see in Pauline Phoenix Coco Peru and, like, Clinton Leop is the name of of Coco Peru's, like, you know, civilian persona. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe he could sing amazingly. I don't know. That's not the performance. That's not the performance that's being given in this episode because it doesn't need to be. What what he's doing is a Miss Coco Peru performance, which is, like, this sort of, like, very bombastic talk singing thing that works incredibly well for the character and is still, like, no, that... I, I guess you're a good singer. Like, it's, even though you're kind of not really singing through half of it, it's fine. Like, it works great for the song that you're doing and the character you're playing.
2: Yeah. Well, like, being able to deliver a song, not necessarily, like objectively good singer or not, but, like, being able to deliver the song does not just mean can you belt it or not. Like, not every song needs that, requires that. Not every character would do that. Um, And I, you know, it, it, it makes sense that this conversation is about Coco Peru because that's a thing that drag queens excel at, which is just, like... I'm I'm not a drag queen because I can sing, but I will deliver you this musical number. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean, like yeah. um, And I'm not not just lip syncing, but like uh, you know when let me let me let you all in on a little secret. Lots of drag queens are recording artists, and not that many of them are good singers.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I have I have a lot of extra stuff for like each individual song. Um, so let's start uh, let's start talking about this episode because there's still lots it. of great stuff to dig into.
3: Days like today make all those bad days worthwhile. Days like today make me smile.
1: If you would like to watch along with us, this is streaming on Netflix. It is a Netflix original. Do it,
2: please. Yes,
1: please do it. And do it on a kid's account. I think that that helps. Please. So this episode, Phantom of the Theme Park. The synopsis per Netflix, because there isn't one on IMDb, because it's still too new of a show, I guess. Um, (laughs) But I still think it's interesting, the Netflix Netflix description, uh, because that synopsis is, with the help of Pugsley's musical spell... Wait, never mind. I just realized it does... I was going to say it's interesting, because it doesn't tell you it's a musical. I've read it so many times and just realized that it says Pugsley's musical spell it does say musical so never mind it's not actually that interesting it's a pretty good synopsis
2: whoops (laughs) I feel like you could read that though and think that musical is just describing the spell as opposed to the other way around so I could get where I I can understand where you got to where you got she
1: says with the help of Puglies musical spell Barney and Norma try to stop Pauline's plan while Courtney wrestles with the dilemma I guess my thought process was like it doesn't call out like in this musical extravaganza or whatever right but I totally legitimately have read this so many times it's in my notes I double checked (laughs) it never saw the word musical i was like they don't even mention that it's a musical and then here we are so never mind (laughs) it's less interesting than i thought (laughs) but it's still i I still think think think, if you were
2: not expecting a musical and you were just going into this and you were just you know episode to episode i don't know that you would necessarily i still don't know that that would prepare you for a full musical you know yeah,
1: maybe that combined with phantom of the theme park you could figure it out that's fair but i watched it and didn't i didn't so you know (laughs) and you're looking for that shit Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, The original edit for this episode, same as the rest of the season. They all dropped on June 16th, 2022. The accredited writers of this episode are Hamish Steele and Jen Bartikoff. We've talked about Hamish already. For Bartikoff, uh, she's written on a number of recent animated Netflix shows, including Archibald's Next Big Thing, Centaur World, and Glitch Quest, all of which were canceled after two seasons. So, you know, knock on wood. (laughs) Yeah, Centaur World, though. Uh, Oh, I don't know anything about that show. Check it out. Uh, this episode was directed by Liz Whitaker, who is credited as the director on the entire first season. Uh, and she, uh, most notable credits, uh, was being a creative producer on Bob the Builder and being the series director on Pingu. Oh wow! Yeah, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I, just, I mean, they're both. I, I think they're both uh, aimed much younger than this, like much. Oh, younger than sure. This. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, so this is definitely an interesting interesting change from that probably way more complicated directing this show than like bob the builder was so yeah and you did say she was
2: the director for every episode like of including every this epi- one
1: yes every episode including this one yeah huh.
2: because i, I, I would have guessed like uh i mean i don't know why i would have guessed this but i just would have guessed that they would have brought somebody in to do a musical episode because it would feel. i i would assume it's very different but what do i know
1: yeah. I mean, there's also, you know, a lot of storyboard artists that are working on this too that are credited so and I true. think had yeah. like individual songs that they own too. So, you know, I think the director in this case is like overseeing a much, you know, bigger project. I I don't know. I, I, I talk, I'm talking a little bit out of my ass here, but... You
2: well, know. no, you're you're you're, you're not <laughs> off base though because like animation is strange in that regard, right? Like because you're not just... or Like it's... A director can be a very different thing. Storyboard artists, I think people like... People undersell the amount of impact they have on things, um, or story supervisor and all that sort of stuff. Like it is sort of a directing team. I think you are right in that. Sure, sure.
1: So here's the thing about this episode because it is such a big climax for the whole season. I, I think that this just has to be a very spoilerific <laughs> to podcast. Like, yeah. we're going to spoil everything because this really is sort of taking place after a lot of big revelations. A lot of these songs are sort of the result of, like, what the season has been leading up to, which is a thing that makes it really good, but does make it, like, slightly more challenging to talk about it in this sort of context where we're pulling it out of the season. Um, So I'll, you know, for, for listeners who are, like, Listening to this, you know, and haven't really watched it, you should watch it because it's great. But if you still need, like, convincing to watch it... I, I would hope by the end of this podcast you will be like compelled to watch the show. So I'll try to give you some uh, context for you know where where all these characters are at and where the plots are as much as is needed without like bogging down the conversation or anything.
2: Look, we're like forty some minutes into this conversation if, have and have basically screamed at people to watch this. I know, like, right? It's that good. You should want to just experience it. Go watch it. Just
1: pause it and come back to the podcast later, man. It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's always going to be here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess where the episode starts, long story short, uh, our heroes discovered that there's a dark secret. Pauline Phoenix, who is sort of like, again, like kind of the Dolly Parton figure of this show, mm-hmm. like has her own theme park, except like if Dolly Parton were like very evil, basically. <laughs> um, um, they've discovered that Pauline Phoenix is actually like, Has died already and is this evil ghost that like possesses people without their (laughs) consent and has been doing it for like 30 years so it's it's pretty wild so they were kicked out of the park because they discovered the secret and Pauline still technically is in charge of everything so they're trying to get back in to you know thwart whatever her next possession attempt will be so they have to figure out how to create a distraction the way they decide to create a distraction is by asking Pugsley to use a spell.
3: Oh, come on, Pugsley. You must have heard some kind of spell we could use, like a uh, uh, teleport or, or distraction. I was practicing
0: one spell, but I was saving it for Barney's birthday. Aw, buddy.
3: Happy birthday to Barney. Happy birthday to Barney. Happy birthday to Barney. Happy birthday to you. Do it.
0: All right. Here goes. bippity boopity Patty laponi menkin tessori menzella
1: Benelli! Had a spell that he was thinking of of doing for Barney's birthday I know it's very cute I love Pugsley is so cute my favorite character on this whole show he's so
2: great. I love them both I mean I love all these characters but I love I mean I love Pugs already so the fact there's a pug at all is great yeah. but Pugsley's yeah. great and I love Barney and Barney like I said is like 20 or 21 in the comics so I'm just gonna say like s- massive crush on Barney Barney's so sure. great <laughs> like, Barney's great such a good fun like just great character
1: yeah, yeah. I Yes, yes. They're all very good. All the characters in the show are great. I, I love Pugsley. He's so sweet. He loves Barney so much. But the spell that he was going to cast for Barney's birthday is a really lovely birthday d- gift because his spell is, as you might imagine, a spell that just makes everyone sing and dance. It just turns the entire park into a musical. And right off the bat, before we even get into like the initial song, the spell that Pugsley has is Bippity Boopity, patty Luponi, Mencken, Tessori, Menzella, Minnelli, mm-hmm. which I love. It's full of references. <laughs> Bippity Boopity, you know, it's like Bippity Boppity Boop, whatever. But uh, Patti Luponi... Patti LuPone obviously is a very famous Broadway actor Mencken, definitely a reference to Alan Menken who is a composer who alongside Howard Ashman uh, created the music for Little Shop of Horrors uh, which is very like um, there's a lot of Little Shop of Horrors in this episode also did the music for the Disney Renaissance films um, or a lot of Disney Renaissance films I should say yeah but I was gonna say people many know this of them. man
2: without knowing this man I'm sure
1: <laughs> right you know him but I think the most important ones for this episode he did the music for the Little Mermaid and Aladdin both of which are like mm-hmm. directly referenced in this musical so like it makes sense that they'd pull him because like literally three of the biggest inspirations for this musical were alan menken and howard ashman so yeah makes sense Tessori is a reference to janine Tessori who's the composer of fun home carolina change and shrek the musical oh um,
5: oh yes. Yeah.
2: Oh, Shrek the Musical is one of my favorite musicals of all time. <laughs> it's <Yeah>.
1: so good. <laughs> yeah, I, all of them are good. Carolina Change I've seen and is and is incredibly good. Fun Home is the Alice and musical. Uh, right musical, Red, which but is not also
2: seen.
1: that one is a is a, if you ever have the opportunity to see it, I definitely recommend it. It's a great. I'd love to. Manzella is the one that I can't figure out. So yeah, I don't know that one. I don't know if it's. I don't know. Like I literally like all of these are like very recognizable. That's the one that it didn't you know that didn't ding for me and I would have been googling and I don't know if like maybe maybe I was hearing it wrong and like I know the subtitles for this episode are real bad the subtitle despite this being a Netflix series the subtitles are like often kind of horrendous for this show and it makes me really upset like well it's not like accessibility is important or anything you know. (laughs) <laughs> well i think there was a
2: whole thing where like hamish had to clarify like that is not part not for this episode but for some episode i wish i could remember what it was so i'm not just mm-hmm. speaking vaguely but i think he had to clarify at one point like i know a lot of you have talked to me about a subtitle that makes it sound like someone's saying something harmful i promise you that's not the script yeah we're getting it fixed i don't like, know what it was that's but real bad
1: it was like a slur or something wasn't it or something like that I I don't remember what it was, but it was not
2: good. And I was like shocked. And I was like, yeah. I'm glad I've been following him for so long. Cause I know that that's, not something that would be included in the show
1: yeah it really sucks that's there's like a even, huge
2: mistake like come it's on it's
1: huge yeah there's there's like lyrics in this episode that are like very clearly wrong like there's there's like a glaring one in like my Frankenstein that's like so obviously wrong like it confuses green with screen but then the next verse she's saying screen and it's like no <laughs> she's saying green there's even the color green on yeah. on stage on the screen right now I don't understand how you got that wrong it's so frustrating it's like it's your own fucking uh, sh- your own fucking platform like the show that you're platform made like it there's no reason why the subtitles shouldn't be like 100 right. accurate like it's so stupid
2: like but, amateur content crea- amateur meaning not professional not paid like amateur content creators do better subtitling their own stuff manually than netflix this massive corporation does yeah i'm sure it's like, some dumb come on, algorithm or whatever that
1: that's super cheap that they're using it's just so pay someone to do it yeah <laughs> Yeah. I didn't expect to go on that tangent, but that really fucking bothers me a lot. Well, all of that it's was important. It is important. And all of that was to say, like, I don't what was showing on screen was Manzella. Maybe that's not what he actually said and he misunderstood. I I am one hundred percent like believing that that's a thing that exists. I don't think that that's just a random word. So, anyone listening who knows what that's a reference to, I'm I'm dying to know what it's a reference to and what I'm missing and I'm hoping it's not like something super obvious that I'm going to feel really dumb about. But we'll see.
2: Is it Do you think maybe it's Menzella and it's a reference to Adina Menzel?
1: Oh, it could be. It could be cuz it does, because he they does do it does add sound letters like he's saying like,
2: that. Like they add to Patty Lapone.
1: Patty LaPone. Menzella Menz Menzella it does sound more like it does kind of sound like he's saying Menzella so Indina Menzel would make sense and that would totally fit perfectly I'm gonna go with yeah. that I'm gonna go with it being an Indina Menzel reference thank you for that that makes me feel a it lot would be better.
2: the second I mean she would be worth referencing in a musical anyway but it would also be like the second sort of Indina Menzel reference in the episode so I wouldn't yeah. be surprised
1: yeah yeah okay no I think we solved that mystery yes I, I'm I'm on board with that. In real time. Exactly You heard it here You heard it here first folks <laughs> And then the last one's Minnelli Obviously Liza Minnelli Famous musical actor yep. So who doesn't know Who Liza Minnelli is <laughs> Yeah So already right off the bat Love all the like Little little references That they're throwing in here And then this first song Which I think is just called At Dead End uh, Is our entry song That's when you first hear Patrick Stump Just belting out <laughs> And it's a nice little Spotlight on Our side characters Because Patrick Stump's Character Josh Along with Logs And Badia I think this is the only song they actually like, actually sing in. Um, But it's a nice, fun little like. um, It's it's very much a little shop of horrors kind of song because it's using sort of like a '60s doo wop kind of sound Mm -hmm. to it. And it's just, you know, it's a a nice little intro song. I like it. It's very cute.
2: Yeah, I like it a lot. It's it's funny. I don't know musical theater super well, but I kind of lucked out on this because I think I do actually know like the primary inspirations for most of these songs. So I was like, Little Shop of Horrors is probably like the furthest from sort of where I tend to sit in the musical theater realm, but I have seen it. So yeah, uh, (laughs) it's the one that that uh, uh, that could have been a miss for me, but not not the song, but the reference
1: sure my favorite part of the entire song though is Pugsley's like rap explaining
0: (laughs) Norma you said distraction well this is my reaction a magical musical to help us sneak through but I guess it worked too well cause we're all Under this spell, gosh, I really hope it wears off before Act Two.
2: Honestly, I mean, it's a great song to open with because it—I knew immediately that it wasn't like a half-assed musical episode. I was like, "Oh shit!" Like this opening number is like really good.
1: The dancing (laughs) is very elaborate. I love that, like one of the dancers is like the dinosaur mascot. That's like my Twitter profile picture right now. Right, it's great.
2: (laughs) I know it's funny too because I saw you know because nobody knows what the fuck they're talking about when they talk about animation, and I saw (laughs) like. Somebody being like, oh, I can't watch this show. The animation's so lazy. And I'm like, no, clearly you haven't watched the show because it's anything mm-hmm. but. Are you joking? This they do like especially. choreographed musical numbers, you
1: dumbass. <laughs> They're referring to like the that sort of, I don't know if it's literally Flash animation, but it's like the Flash animation style where it, right. I don't know what makes it look like that. But like, yeah, it looks like you know you're sort well, of puppety characters on yeah, a background moving around, you know?
2: Right, they're rigged. Like these characters are rigged, so like yeah. there's a consistency in the way that they look because they have specific character models that they're they're moving. You know, they're not mm-hmm. they're not it's it's not like a, a show like Steven Universe or Adventure Time where like right. the character models change. Mm-hmm. Those characters aren't rigged like these ones are.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I get being off put by that style because it is, it is like a weirder style to get used to, I think, um, it, if, especially if you're used to like, you know, more fully, more, I don't know how you describe it. I don't want to say fully animated because he's fully animated, but you know, like, like the sort of Steven Universe style where it's like different yeah. character models. I
2: think more what you would think traditional animation looks yeah. like. I mean, it's, yeah. it's hard anymore to, to categorize everything because sure. this is like a blend of, of many things, but it, it is. It, it, yeah. It's different than what you would associate with traditional animation.
1: But I I get it. And I think that like part part of the problem is that Netflix has, I think, a bad track record with like with sort of using animation styles like like some of Netflix shows do use like this sort of flash animation adjacent kind of style and they don't look very good. Bojack Horseman is genuinely one of my favorite shows of all time. Very important to me, very impactful. I will never say that that show looks good. They do really, they do really creative things sometimes. And they do that, like, sometimes visually the show does look really good and the character designs yeah. can look really creative. But, like, there's never a point when, like, the movement really looks good on that show. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I think a lot of times it is probably a budget thing. I, it probably it probably is cheaper, I guess, to do animation this way. But when you're within within that style of animation, you can still do really amazing, creative things. And I think that like this show really surprises me sometimes with the things that they're able to make yeah. these like rigged characters do, even in spite of having like what normally you expect to be very stiff animation yeah. you know well
2: i'll call out a few things i'll try not to get on a soapbox too high but like sure. the way that they do camera work is something they certainly don't have to do the fact that they wear so many different outfits throughout the series is something hamish has highlighted as something that was kind of stressing the animators out but they still do it you know because mm-hmm. like uh because it, it benefits certain episodes like the beach episode yeah um, yeah and like, yes oh, and that one does so right. many
1: cool so much cool stuff with its different animation yeah. styles
2: yeah and it's not a show that that sticks to one angle for every scene, right? So like, it just it, it really annoyed me when somebody was like, "Oh, this is so lazy." I'm like, it's really not. Like you you don't even have yeah. to go far to find all the work that that went into this. And if
1: you're off put <laughs> by that style, you get used to it really quickly. Like yeah, <laughs> like yes. I I personally I don't love the style that much, but like. Honestly, a lot of the best shows, a lot of my favorite shows, like BoJack Horseman and like Home Movies, like there are so many shows that are done in the style that are truly some of the best animated shows ever made. Like, it's fine. Like, you can still do really great stuff within it. And I think that this show really exemplifies just how much artistry goes into it and how much you can like i don't i i can't imagine what the show would look like if it wasn't in the style that it's in Mm -hmm. like or this episode in particular like just does so many cool things like and is so inventive with the style that it already has you know
2: who knows if they would even be able to pull this episode off if they did it in a different way
1: right exactly like it, it would have been a much harder endeavor to fully like hand draw this or something like that you know i would think I think I'm pretty I'm like 99% sure it would be. Right? Yeah.
2: Sorry, rant, I just it annoys That's me when okay. people like mix up terms like that. Like you don't have to like the way it looks, but that doesn't mean it's animated in a, you know, an- it's animation not... style, aesthetic, quality, this, budget. These are not <laughs> all the same. This episode is thing. like
1: the least lazy thing I've ever seen in my life. So, yeah, definitely right. wouldn't wouldn't call it lazy or cheap at all. Yeah. Here's an interesting thing. I know you're talking about how it's like a really good first song. This was not originally the first song. Um, I think I kind of alluded to that. Um, You know, part of it was like deciding, like, we want Josh to be the first one who sings. So Badger Stump (laughs) can basically be the first music. But originally uh they it opened with uh pugsley having his his own song it was inspired by uh science fiction double feature from rocky horror so basically it was going to be pugsley's mouth in a black void singing and it was just going to be a very meta song about the concept of doing a musical episode this is what we're doing it's a musical episode you've seen it before he said there actually were even lyrics like well buffy did it but whatever like it was going to directly (laughs) call that out yeah Yeah, but uh, they said there's a few reasons why they decided to cut that. One was actually like Netflix said that they didn't really feel like it was right. Uh, He said Netflix uh, didn't feel like it was the right time to go that meta because uh, the storyline at that point had a lot of cliffhangers and like obviously they want to kind of keep the story going. There was a pretty big cliffhanger at the end of the last episode. So it makes sense that you just dive right into the story of this one. Mm -hmm. He says, I was originally self-conscious of cutting it because in my head it was the opening song. Uh, But then when you watch the episode and it suddenly becomes a musical episode, like a half a minute and a half in i think that's kind of a funnier choice um yeah. and i agree like you don't you don't know that it's going to be a musical episode for for you know a, a, a few minutes and then it just happens and it's as much as a surprise to you as it is to the characters yeah yeah
2: I, I, it doesn't surprise me though that they wanted to do something rocky horror i hadn't thought about it but i'm surprised yeah, it there isn't more that's very directly
1: rocky horror in this for sure um,
2: but i guess there it was you know
1: yeah, yeah. There's probably, like, if you do a deeper dive, I bet there's oh, some I'm things sure. influenced in here that are pulled from Rocky Horror that I'm just not, like, clicking into. Um, but, yeah, so, so it definitely was, like, on on their minds, at least. Yeah. So the next song after this, we cut away because, you know, they're questioning, like, how far does this spell go? Like, is it just concentrated right here? How long is it going to last? Um, and we see <laughs> that it is spread amongst the park because we cut to uh, Courtney, who's the show's resident demon, who rules I love Courtney so much
2: (laughs) yep Courtney's great
1: she uh, before we even talk about the song she's voiced by Emily Osment who yeah um she's like a former child actor she's probably best known for I guess more widely known I should say for uh being in the Spy Kids sequels and then being Hannah Montana's best friend oh
2: interesting you would order them that way because i would have said hannah montana oh, first but our I, age i, I think dictates. i was
1: no 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 i was ordering them in order of when she was working on because oh, okay, spy gotcha, kids came gotcha. first because she was younger yes. in it like that's when i first saw her and then oh, it's like same. oh that's the spy kids girl in hannah montana like <laughs> that's pro- hannah montana's best friend is probably i don't even remember what her character's name is honestly lily or something no
2: maybe I've never seen an episode of Hannah Montana. <laughs> I only have because
1: my sister was in the perfect age group for it and she oh, loved yeah. that show to death. So she was obsessed with it. Um gotcha. so I saw I saw it through her and knew a lot of the songs from Hannah Montana through. Yeah.
2: Her.
1: Yeah. I I
2: love Emily Osman's performance throughout this whole series. Dude, I never seriously. would have guessed it was her. Not that I know her voice intimately or anything, but like it just seems like it wouldn't have been an easy thing for her to do. Like no. the voice she's doing is like gruff, <laughs> you know? Like yeah. uh, or very textured is maybe cuz she's not doing a deep voice but she's adding so much texture to her voice that like I can't imagine she was having an easy time doing this.
1: Yeah, it's it's very much like I am a I am a demon. It's so like-
2: gremlin-y. You yes, gremlin
1: That's so that's the perfect description because she is very like gremlin like is her characterization. Like very yeah. very yeah. like like s- chaotic neutral to chaotic evil depending on the episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I would love to know one thing that was interesting to me, and I have a feeling I know the answer to this. Um, and I don't know if Hamish has talked about this. Uh, in the in the graphic novels, they like have profiles for every character at like the beginning of each chapter or whatever, mm-hmm. and they list like some of their interests and their name and their age and their pronouns. And in the graphic novels, Courtney uses they/them pronouns, and in this, she uses she/her. Oh, guessing it's because they cast. Emily Osment, but I don't know if that's the actual reason or not.
1: I think uh, that might have been part of it, but I think even before they cast her, Hamish had answered that question on Twitter. I don't have it in front of me. I don't have it in front of me, but to my memory, it was basically that um, whoever at Netflix he was talking to actually was aware that there had been conversations about like the trope of non non-binary characters being monsters in media, like being very common. And okay. like didn't want to necessarily play into that. Word. Where it's like, here's a demon. Of course they're gonna use they them pronouns because all non binary people are monsters, I guess. Sure. So, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I feel like he was he was sort of like, I mean, you know, I feel like she probably Still doesn't really go by any gender herself that's just how she's gendered you know on the show yeah um, but that was more of a conscious choice from Netflix Netflix's end and then probably wow. Emily Osmond's casting came you know from that I imagine
2: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I I certainly, I could have guessed something to do with Emily Osmond's casting. I could have guessed the sort of like, uh, you know, associating monsters or demons with non-binary or queerness. Um, I never would have guessed that Netflix said, hey, right. maybe... Maybe think about that. Like, that's not where I would have guessed it came from.
1: It does make it a weird situation where it's like, so there's now no characters that use they them pronouns when they're, you know, originally was supposed to be. And that that is that does feel a little bit weird on a show that's like very, very queer. Like, that's the one, like, very queer thing that just like is not present (laughs) at Mm -hmm. all in this show, you know? But, you know, who knows? Plenty of characters can be introduced later that use those pronouns and have that organization. And like Hamish said, like, it, it, you could still courtney i feel like is a she they rather than a she her if that makes sense yeah. you know yeah so for sure yeah yeah but courtney's fucking song dude so the <laughs> for context, you
2: specifically based on how we've talked about the disney renaissance
1: movies. uh-huh uh-huh the context <laughs> the context the context for this her whole arc has been that, like, she can't go back home, which is hell, uh, because of these, like, cuffs, these, like, demon cuffs she's wearing. It's always – it's been very vague. It's not been, like, deeply explored exactly, like, where all this comes from and why. All you need to know is that she's not allowed to go home and wants to go home. And in the previous episode, the villain, Pauline, like, basically teamed up with her, promising that, you know, if Courtney helps her, she'll help her get back home, essentially. So mm-hmm. this episode's opening with Courtney, like, thinking about – That she will be able to go home soon So what we have Is her I Want song A classic Disney thing (laughs) This song is a direct Like Disney Princess style parody Of Part of Your World From Little Mermaid But truly just like An amazing inversion (laughs) Of that in every way
4: Well I've read Every book about demons But I figure There's way more to learn Down there's a place where I know I belong Because demons are meant to burn Is it true they eat bones for their breakfast With maggots instead of milk Is it true they get dressed with chunks of dead flesh Instead of business suits lined with silk Down where they hang drawn.
2: It's so great the, when this started playing, I was like, even I was double, I, I guess the episode just doubled down on the fact that it was going to be very good. Cause I was like, you're doing little mermaid. Like, come yeah. on, this is this, amazing. This,
1: this is when I was sort of like, Oh, I have no reason to be apprehensive or worried about this. This is great. Right. This is perfect. Exactly. It, it's so clever. Yeah. The song, I, I think the official title for the song is down there. Um, yeah. and, and it is like Courtney's. I want song is like, like in part of your world where Ariel wants to be, you know, part, Of the world of humans. Courtney wants to be part of the world of demons. So like. It's this like beautifully like cheery song. About like how much she just wants to go back. But it's all about like hell and torture and like maggots and <laughs> ripping out spines and it's all like dark and violent and the fact that like part of your world was about going to the world above and somewhere down there is about going to the world below it's so yeah. fucking clever dude it's great. <laughs>
2: it's so good and she's so sincere about it like what she's talking yeah. about you know ripping out spines and stuff Yeah, well, Courtney
3: I'll
4: be one of the guys with the lord of the Fl-
1: like i'm one depraved sinner indeed and then she just lists all of like the seven deadly sins (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh, my god fantastic I love the uh, Beelzebub's, Beelzebub's bachelor pad is such a great a good phrase. way to describe hell. I love it, <laughs> <laughs> and her voice is amazing too because it's like it's like she has less gravel when she's singing. Obviously, because how sure. the fuck could you sing with that much gravel? Although Alex Brightman does it later on. We'll get to that. Um, <laughs> but ask me in
2: the <laughs> intro of this
1: episode. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> <laughs> seriously. Yeah, still recovering. But even still, like, she still sounds like Courtney when she's singing, even though she loses some of that gravel. It's a really, like, delicate balance. And also, she's just a really good singer. So, like, it's great. It's just such a good ballad. (laughs) I mean, Emily
2: Osmond, I do believe, releases music or has before. Yeah. Yeah.
1: She's been. been, I know. I, I feel like I kind of undersold her by being, like, the Hannah Montana person. She has consistently worked, like forever like she's never not been on a tv show or making music or something like she has done a ton of stuff this is just another thing on her resume so she's a very she's a very talented actor Mm -hmm, um and and singer so um and and just one last thing the the end joke where she has her big like somewhere down there oh and then realizes that she's singing to the sky and hell actually is (laughs) literally below and has to change her choreography for a second to refer to the ground so Great. funny!
4: It's so funny.
1: <laughs> we get a little bit of plot. This probably is like the biggest stretch of the episode without songs, honestly. Um, and then, like, and then it's just like one right after another. So, like, plot stuff. The trio discover that Pauline is holding auditions for. Her next body to possess, essentially. So, like holding position uh, auditions yeah. for Pauline impersonators, so she can then possess that person for I don't know another like ten years or something like that. This isn't that important to this episode, but like they find this out. They find this out thanks to help from who who is like the person that Pauline (laughs) had possessed for years, which I fucking love the joke of her name. Like, Oh, I think it's Barbara. And then it's like, no, my name is literally Barbora. No one ever pronounces it right. (laughs) Yeah.
2: The only person who is pronouncing it correctly is Norma, who's, you know, obsessed about trivia with, with this park and Pauline and all that.
1: Right. Right. Oh, that's that's a big part of her about the, of the next Mm -hmm. song with Norma. We'll get Mm -hmm. into,
2: I do. I really, I know it's not like massive, this audition thing, but I was really excited to see it because there is a brief moment like this in the graphic novels, and even though Ooh. this isn't huge, it's more than they do in the graphic novels. So I was like, yeah, more of the audition." Oh, cool. <laughs> I didn't,
1: yeah, that's so cool. I was, I'm always curious, like, how much of, cause, because I know they change stuff, like, how much is sort of right. reflected in the graphic novels
2: yeah it's like uh if it were in reverse it would feel like the graphic novel were just like making a reference to this like it's very short oh
1: that's interesting so this really is sort of like expounding on an idea that the graphic novel had essentially
2: yeah that's interesting. yeah it let's it breathe a little bit i think one of, actually like there was one uh one of the the folks auditioning says something about like you helped me through one of the hardest parts like hardest times in my life or something like that that's like directly from the book oh that's <laughs> it's like yeah
1: Hey, this is just a random question what's what's with people because one of the one of the contestants says like oh my ghost oh my ghost and that is a thing that norma says too what's with the oh my ghost thing is that just because i know that they're saying that in place of oh my god but other people also say oh my god in this show even in like the next song is oh my ghost just like a thing like what am i missing is that just like in the universe of the show or is that like a pauline phoenix catchphrase or something do you know where it comes from
2: no i don't know the 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 books do a lot of um what you would be used to hearing if you watched shows like regular show or sure. adventure time, where instead of like cursing or saying um like normal frustration phrases, they say like just weird, wacky stuff. Oh sure. This is like sorta of like that, but it's it's almost like not wacky enough to be that. So I'm not really sure.
1: Yeah, I guess like, yeah, I guess it makes sense. They just don't do it enough for it to feel like it's a running gag. And that's also the only time I feel like they ever do it. And again, they do still say, oh, my God, sometimes it's just other times they say, oh, my ghost.
2: I mean, it's possible that it's a thing that happens in the books more than I'm realizing because they do so much more of like the substitute weird phrase thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That doesn't matter. That was just the thing that I thought about. But (laughs) (laughs) The reason these auditions Are important Is because this is how They come up with this plan Well, like If we want to capture Pauline Way back in the first episode Of the show The whole plot Of the first episode Is Pugsley getting possessed They figure out They can exorcise the demon By taking his photo Because you know Photos are like The window to the soul Or whatever And can capture souls And shit That's just like The rules of the universe Of this show So if they can Magically disguise Norma As Pauline Get her to win that audition She gets possessed by Pauline Then they take her picture and then trap Pauline to exercise, her essentially. Yeah. Um, so it's a risky plan, but like it makes sense in the context of the show. And I love that it's calling all the way back to the first episode of the season. Makes sense. Yeah, it's great. And throughout all this, there's also this runner where Pugsley is sort of worried about using too much magic because you have this musical spell. They're also now going to be transforming Norma into a Pauline lookalike. That's a lot of magic. And the other thing that's been a runner uh, from the way back in the first episode is that after like the one time he was possessed by a demon, there is like a piece of that demon basically still in his body and that's you know where he gets his ability to use magic and talk and stuff from but the more magic he uses the more likely that, that that demon will be able to like fully take over um so that's a thing just to like put a pin in for later for this episode
2: classic messing with dark magic there
1: yeah one more thing before we get to the next fucking rocking song just this montage <laughs> of of the auditions that we were sort of referring yes! to so when you get your, your, uh, your Frozen reference that I think you were referring to yep. before.
3: Oh my ghost, oh my ghost. I can't believe I'm here. You got me through the toughest year of- Next! Wrong! let it go
0: now oh anything but that
1: what's wrong with you because someone starts singing let it go for like just a half a second not long enough for them to get like dinged for copyright or anything you just hear a couple right. of words but it's enough to know what she's singing and then you yep. have pauline who's like no anything but that and my favorite yeah. part of it is then she just says what is wrong with you
2: i know it's so funny
1: <laughs> it's so brutal
2: it's great i mean she yeah. just she knocks them all down like immediately mm-hmm. it's so funny
1: mm-hmm except for one who hmm? is norma uh disguised as like a perfect uh a perfect intermittent intermitation is what i almost said <laughs> i think i was combining imitation and interpretation uh, a perfect imitation of pauline uh which her leads us to her performance which is so far the only song that's been released officially my oh. frankenstein There's It's a great song. It's good. But so are they, the other ones. <laughs> they picked. If they could only release one, I think they picked the yeah. the right one. I think you. There's an I argument so. that the, there's an argument that this is the best song in the in the musical, and it's also I think the most like widely accessible. It's just a really bopping earworm rock song, yeah. like, and it's very good. But what I love about it is that it's also just like so entrenched in Norma as a character, um, because like. This whole song is essentially about how Pauline was like her hero, the media that Pauline made, the movies and everything that Pauline made um, for Norma was sort of like this like rock for her. Right. Because it's been well established that Norma has a lot of anxiety. Um, I think it's like Canon that she is on the spectrum. So like Pauline was sort of her hyper fixation and to learn that, that this person that like, she has been so heavily attached to even in a parasocial relationship kind of way to learn that that person is like almost literally a monster is like almost reality breaking for Norma. And that's been a thing that she'd had to been dealing with for the last couple of episodes before this.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, you know, the idea of like not meeting your heroes is sort of universal, but I think with Norma specifically, like you mentioned the fact that she is, canonically dealing with really strong social anxiety. And she is also autistic, like and has these fixations. uh, I think probably, uh, probably is a a cool, tough, relatable. Like it's probably a lot of Mm -hmm. things to a lot of people to see represented in the way that it is on, on screen.
1: I don't think it's a thing that really gets talked about a lot. Like, like you said, like the not meet, don't meet your heroes kind of thing is a common story, but there is something really different that I don't feel like is really explored for a lot of people who are on the spectrum or even, even who aren't, but still like have, you know, for whatever reason, have very, 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 very strong attachments to like a character, a movie or something like that, or, or, you know, a creator like, and we, especially nowadays we deal so commonly with like, everyone that we like turns out to be a fucking monster in real life. (laughs) Like that is something that is really deeply relatable that I think the way that the show explores it, I don't feel like I really ever see explored very often.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's a really, it's a really beautiful song. I think there's a lot of really nice touches to it. Um, Yeah. One of my favorite things, it's such a small detail, but like the first half of the song is like Norma kind of talking about her previous relationship with Pauline that's very positive and how like, you know, like you, the world's a storm and like my bedroom is the eye and you're you're sort of like what, what has grounded me essentially. And, uh, you know, so she's talking from like sort of the fangirl side. She says, OMG, Pauline is one of the lyrics. You get to the last half of the song, which is like, about the the post realization that pauline sucks and it and that lyric when when that verse comes up again the lyric changes to oh my god pauline Like it goes from the sort of more more childish like OMG, I love you to oh my god, you fucking piece of shit. Like it's and it's such a distinct difference in how it's performed and everything. It's such a great touch.
2: The way they escalate this song in pretty much every way is so good. I mean, the lyrics themselves, like you're pointing out to uh, to uh, the actual like performance of it, to even just what they're animating when or how. Like when I was talking about little camera flourishes, one of my favorite things about this particular song and number is like there's there's a moment where like they they pull out like a, a mirror or something behind her and it like shatters <sighs> and then that shot is like you know it it's it's uh she's facing us and then there's a shot that's behind her that is like all this intense shit happening and the camera's like sort of shaking. And it's like there's not actually a camera there, but it really like intensifies what's going on to have things sort of feel unstable based on the, the camera work, for lack of a yeah. better term. It's really good.
1: <laughs> it's very cool and it's so compelling to watch. Like it's a great song to listen to anyway, but the visuals do really, I think, help the intensity of it because, yeah, it gets progressively more chaotic as it goes along. yeah like shit is break like it is literally like her anger personified like stuff's breaking the speakers are exploding and then it creates like a great like fog effect and then i love that you keep having these cutaways to like badya running around trying to like stop everything from breaking and then by the (laughs) end of the song you just see her like in the background like disheveled with broken glasses just like in total shock of like what just happened just now yeah
2: i love (laughs) when music is depicted as like an actual like physical force it's like i love that so much i'm such a sucker for it and this song uh does that so well it's so good i also love that they um like even though she's disguised as pauline they play with that at first before they just really you know lean into it being normal like they kind of have from pauline's perspective you know she's seeing you know an adult actress and then when they you know film or when they animate from behind norma you kind of see norma instead like they do some cool stuff to play with the idea that she's disguised
1: yeah, especially, yeah, especially going back and forth from the mirror and things like that. It's very, it, they, they do a really nice job with it. You're never, I don't think you're ever confused as an audience member of like who's seeing what, like, cause, right. cause, cause I do know, I was wondering like, oh, is the, uh, you know, is the, is the magic spell going to break at some point and then, and then she's going to be exposed as Norma. But like you're watching and it's very clear that like, no, they're just shifting perspectives for you, the audience, because this is an important moment for Norma and it feels right to actually see Norma singing yeah. the song that's about her rather than the disguise she's in even if for the rest of reality she's still in that disguise you know
2: Mm -hmm. yeah i really thought the spell was going to break too so i'm glad you said that yeah
1: yeah it it feels like it would have been perfect you know it it would have been great it would have ruined all of their plans i don't know what happened would have happened in the episode after that but you know
2: yeah (laughs) would have been a good complication would
1: have been a good complication yeah yeah i'm also to call it norma's voiced by cody kavitha who fucking kills it she hasn't oh my god she hasn't done a ton of stuff. This is definitely her biggest role. I think her like most notable thing that I could tell was in uh, the Rise of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles show, and I think even then it was like you know a supporting role. She's mostly done supporting voices, so this is definitely like her big breakout. Yeah. And I mean, everybody. Welcome. We're going to say that everybody in this musical is good. Everybody in this musical kills it. But I do. I will say that I think. Norma and Courtney get the most to do in this musical and the most complicated songs. And to have someone who like is not as seasoned of an actor, I think, as as some of the other people in this cast doing these like linchpin songs and fucking killing it, dude, fucking killing it. It's just so cool to see. Yeah,
2: well it illustrates what we were talking about before. Like everybody delivers their song the way they need to, but Courtney and Norma like rip their vocals to shreds. Like <laughs> right? it is, you know, they're just it's 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 powerful vocals, you know, yeah. as opposed to just like uh like acting the song. It's both, but it, the vocals are to be admired.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you have any more to talk about this song before moving on to the next one?
2: No, I'm I'm very excited for this next one. It's very oh, good
1: because the other thing <laughs> this this is then yeah because this this song. There's, like, barely oh, wait. a break. No, I do have a question, oh. actually. Yes.
2: What What is, is is there is there a specific um, inspiration to point to from a musical that My Frankenstein comes from? Or is that one, like, a very original to this property? That's the one I couldn't quite figure out.
1: Yeah, I, I can't really figure that out either. Not that I could tell, because I feel like it is it is just a straight-up rock song, you know? Yeah. Um, and there are plenty of, like, rock operas, so I guess you could just relate to any. Rock mm-hmm. opera that that's exists, fair. that has rock songs, I guess there, if there is a direct inspiration, which I wouldn't be surprised if there is one, I just, I don't know what it is. Cause it just sounded like a very good rock song to me. Yeah. Yeah,
2: for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: And this is definitely, I think that's, that is the only one that I, I couldn't really identify a direct correlation to. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see if you know, and you're listening, chime in. I'm curious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next song. This this pretty much goes directly into this next song because obviously Norma kills it. She wins the audition, so she's invited to Pauline's lair, (laughs) which is so well presented. Like this sort of like walking through a hallway that ends up turning into this like (laughs) this like ethereal like floating realm in the void of space. (laughs) It's so cool.
2: Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot.
1: Yeah, like her dressing room is just like floating in some alternate dimension, apparently. (laughs) It's really neat. But this song, this is the titular Phantom of the Theme Park.
0: Do me a little favor here.
1: It's an incredible song. It's
0: so good.
1: It's so good, and especially like hearing the demo. You know, the demo we listened to earlier with uh, with Patrick Stump's lyrics, um, or vocals. The the, the they they didn't they hadn't nailed like the uh, the actual like music to it in that demo, and then when you hear this final version of this episode, it is amazing what they do with these organ chords. Like, oh my god. And, and this is, you know, as the title suggests, it's very reminiscent of Phantom of the Opera. If you listen to just, like, the opening of of the uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber Phantom song, it is just that exact song just, like, slightly tweaked enough to yeah. be its own song. But, like, I don't uh, – but but there's something about it because the, – the, the particular way that it's tweaked and the fact that it's Norma and Pauline singing it, like, it is such a different vibe from the original Phantom song that it stands out as its own, like, really brilliant piece of music.
2: Yeah. This to me, and then spoiler the reprise, like Mm -hmm. this to me is, this is the musical theater moment, right? This is like intersecting stories, intersecting songs, like different characters exploring different things, but it all fits in like this really gorgeous sort of moment, overlapping moment. Like I just, I love that shit it's like in Les Miserables where like everybody reprises their own song all at the same time. And you're like, Holy shit.
1: (laughs) So it basically um, transitions like Norma sings the first part as she's going to Pauline's dressing room and is like still expressing that she's like conflicted because she's like she's still looked up to Pauline and she's like, release me, release me, Phantom of the Theme Park, because she still doesn't want to be hung up on this person that she's, you know, been, had looked up to for so long, even though she knows that she's a monster now. And then that transitions to essentially the villain song of the episode, <laughs> which is Pauline Phoenix, uh, who, like we said... It's it's Clinton Laup doing uh Clinton I don't know how to say his last name Clinton Laup Laup
2: have never known I've never known. It's I only import- know Coco Peru. It's not
1: it's not important because everyone knows his famous drag persona Miss Coco Peru. Pauline right. Phoenix is basically the Miss Coco Peru voice. So it's Miss Coco. Yeah. It's Coco Peru doing doing the character. <laughs> and you know, i just calling that out because this is definitely like the the big Pauline song. It's it's the it's like the plot song, because this is Pauline possessing Norma, which is, like, really cool to see that presented as a song, like, something mm-hmm. that's kind of freaky. Um, and it's really well, like, well done, like, the freaky moment when, like, you get a shot of, like, the Pauline dis- magic disguise being possessed with, like, the green eyes. And then you see Norma, like, inside of her also yeah. getting possessed. Like, it's really, it's it's a great visual.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's obviously inspired by Phantom of the Opera, but it also calls to mind, like, really iconic Disney villain sequences like yes. in Little Mermaid, Ursula, and Ariel or in Princess yeah. and the Frog, uh, Facilier and the Prince like have a cool s- sequence like this where like some sort of transformative thing is happening involving the villain. Um, and it just, I, they 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 nail that vibe while also having it be very phantom.
1: Oh God, no, you know what? That's such a great call out to like referencing like Ursula and Little Mermaid because, you know, Ursula is like inspired by drag queen. And then you have a drag queen voiced character also being very kind of like, you know, very like almost like flirty and touchy feely with like the person (laughs) in the way that that Ursula is like it's. Yeah. Oh, that's such an interesting parallel. I didn't even think about that, but that's absolutely like part of the inspiration there. It's
2: great. It's great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's it's really good. And then the song continues. What friend? What's going on, Courtney? It then transitions to Barney, Pugsley, and Courtney. Barney and Pugsley are trying to get, like, Courtney to help them stop Pauline. And this is when they find out that Courtney is actually working with Pauline. But (gasps) we get this fucking amazing um, transition to Courtney singing the song, the Phantom song. And it's so good.
2: It's so good. I love this shit so much. I love this. Anytime you have multiple characters, like, in. Either different situations or different locations, all singing like within the same intersecting number. Like, it's just so good. It gives me chills.
1: It makes it feel so epic, too. Yes. And I love, like, you know, as as Courtney's trying to like express that, like, I just want to go back down to hell. She has the lyric where she like teleports into the chandeliers, like, I belong down <laughs> below. And you see her like face peeking like, from the shadows of the chandelier. Like, it's such a cute, like, demon face, but it works, (laughs) it it just works so well. (laughs) Yeah, it's great, it's great. Yeah, my other favorite lyric is uh, Pugsley saying, you're gonna make me sad, bark, (laughs) woo! That's great. It's so cute, it's so cute. One fun fact, um, I think that this song was always gonna be in this episode, because, like, it's so instrumental to it, but there was originally going to be I guess an, an additional song that Pauline would have. Hamish said that Pauline was going to have this like emotional song uh, oh. on the stage. I guess, I guess maybe instead of reprising it, the song after, like that she sings later when, when they reprise Phantom at the theme park. Maybe she would have sang this then. I'm not exactly sure, clear on that. But she would have sang this emotional song where she sort of realized the error of her ways while singing. But then and, and you know, which I think would still fit because the climax of the episode is like Tema Lucas fighting her, right? So like right. I think that, that could have that could have still worked. Uh, but he said, <laughs> and I quote, but we just thought it would be funnier for Pauline to not learn her lesson just yet and keep her more vill- villainous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: like, I, I definitely get where that comes from, and I think it wouldn't, it wouldn't have uh, been an obstacle or anything. Like, I wouldn't have stopped and been confused, or, you know, it would have flowed fine. But I do think I'm with him on this. I think it's it it. There's something about it that feels right for her not to necessarily, you know. Yeah, she's so she's... obsessed with this, and she's been doing it for so long. Like, mm-hmm. I, I totally get it, and I think it's it's more crushing for Norma for Pauline to never get it or not to get it. You know, at least uh, in right this. Now. Yeah, in this moment.
1: Yeah, yeah, or at least if she's gonna get it, she's not gonna get it on her own. So right. Yeah, yeah. No, I like it. It makes her a better villain in this episode too. Like you know, yeah. you're, you're you're most cla- they're pulling from Renaissance Disney, and none of the Renaissance Disney villains were ever like. Maybe I'm in the wrong year. Like no, they're fun because they're evil the whole time. Right. So. Right. <laughs> so, uh, possessed Pauline shows up. Barney tries to take a photo which was their plan to exercise her Uh, but Courtney and also Barney's skinny jeans stop this from happening (laughs) (laughs) I love that that it, it's like these like high stakes of this like evil like ghost possessing monster, yeah. and he can't get his phone out because he can't pull it out of his pocket because his pockets so are funny. too tight. It's so funny.
2: That's like maybe the one like thing about this. It's like, oh, this was made by a millennial, wasn't it? Because right. if this were made by a Gen Z person, they wouldn't be wearing skinny jeans, and Barney <laughs> wouldn't be wearing skinny jeans.
1: Oh no, oh no, my my Jinko's. My pockets are too deep. I can't reach my phone. <laughs>
2: oh you went in the other direction didn't you <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so this the plan fails his phone gets taken away uh he and pugsley get thrown into the dungeon that apparently exists in this theme park i guess <laughs> i buy it i buy <laughs> sure. it
2: i wouldn't be surprised if this was technically like an exhibit or like an mm-hmm. attraction or
1: something you know sure it's a weird theme park why it's a very weird theme park (laughs) it's a very weird theme park there's a lot of questions that i have about how the theme park works but that's fine But yeah the dungeon is being guarded by logs who is barney's love interest so you know, there's an easy opening, right? Like if they, they've already flirted throughout the season, so Pugsley is like, "Hey, I ship you two. Um, I think you should get together. You should just like talk to him. He's gonna let you out because you like each other, right?" Mm-hmm. And that leads us to Barney's love ballad about logs. Can't you
0: talk to logs? Sweeten him up. Have a little flirt. Shh, he'll hear. You do like him, don't you? But. Oh. Logs thinks I'm a traitor now. So, he's just... A bit more of a challenge, but still objectively a dreamboat? No. No. It's not like I sit around just obsessing About his deep brown eyes It's not like I lie awake while repressing Tingly tummy butterflies It's not like I filled a notebook listing. The things we might talk about. It's not as though even now I'm resisting the urge to ask him out. I mean we'd have fun. It's not like he is the one. Sure he's adorably shy, but he's just some
3: guy.
2: Oh scandalous. I'm sure you saw. It's so funny to me that mm-hmm. this like adorable, well animated, cute like song about like these two teenagers who have a crush on each other was scandalous to people <laughs> online. Yeah, it's
1: like it was very much you dorks
2: like, get a life. It's so
1: fucking <laughs> yeah, because like Netflix basically. Netflix did like release this They didn't release the song but they like released the video On their social media officially And then it went viral from like The Daily Wire which is Ben Shapiro's dumbass Website and then also I think the quartering Did did shit about it too I forget what his real name is Ian mm, something Chong I don't don't know your usual suspects of like shitty like of like shitty right wing pieces of shit who would just get outraged over anything remotely gay basically but Um, what's
2: annoying about it is they weren't even just like "Ew, look at this gay shit they were like oh this is a cartoon rated y7 on netflix it's so stupid yeah you've watched a disney movie before right (laughs)
1: Right, one of the movies. This is far more scandalous
2: shit in the Renaissance period. Yeah, The Little Mermaid is like a
1: sixteen-year-old, like she was naked for part of the movie, and then like gets Uh married and ends on a big kiss. So like, I think you just don't like the gay stuff, guys.
2: And DreamWorks just has people fuck. Like Road to El Dorado, (laughs) they just fuck. (laughs) So so get over it. Just say what you mean.
1: It's also so funny to me too because it's like. If you really wanted to like criticize the show for like your Christian values or whatever, there's literally a demon singing a song about how much she loves hell. But you didn't you didn't hook right? onto that. At, you didn't you didn't right? l- lash onto that. You latched onto the one gay thing that happened in right. it. Right. So, the thing you're
2: mad about is that they're gay, that they're interracial, that one of them's Jewish. Like, just say the things you actually hate about this. God, it's so <laughs> stupid.
1: And again, yeah, for like Dorks, genuinely like the adorable, s- the sweetest, cutest song I've ever seen. <laughs>
2: It's funny, too, because I saw so many people being like, I didn't really know this show existed, but now that I've seen this, uh, Daily Wire, thanks, because now I'm going to go watch it. Exactly. Like, It just was so beautiful how many people were like, oh, hey, thanks for letting me know this adorable show exists.
1: <laughs> right. Right. It's so cute. This is another one that I don't really know if there's a direct reference for it other than it just being like you know kind of part love ballad part like pop song essentially i, I don't know if it there's like feels
2: a... like right on the tip of my brain and i can't yeah. figure it out but maybe it's just because it is like a common sort of like nice poppy uh like cute you know love song you know yeah
1: yeah and it's such an earworm <laughs> this one gets stuck in my head <laughs> really a little too is. much <laughs> uh, it's great it's yeah. great. It's so cute. And they wear their little white tuxes. Oh my God. I ah. love their 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 Jewish wedding. Um mm-hmm. it's such a ador- so adorable. I love that Pugsley's there for the entire sequence too. Just like <laughs> yeah. just being like, you guys are so cute. <laughs> the entire He's the time. one
2: shipping. He's the Sebastian in this moment, you know? I fuck
1: yeah, I fucking lo- yeah, it's very much like Kiss the Girl, but <laughs> with <laughs> Pugsley and Sebastian's role and these two adorable teenagers. I love it so much. It's not
3: like I've drawn up plans for our wedding. Cuz that's a totally stalkerish thing to do. It's not as though I'm constantly dreading what he'd say if he only knew. It's not like
0: he's gone my everywhere That all
1: he sees is just some guy. Barney uh is voiced by Zach Barrick. It's a trans character voiced by a trans actor, which is always fucking Gasp. cool. I know, it's it's almost like it's not hard. Right. And I think his his most biggest roles before this were uh, a pretty minor role in Spider-Man Far From Home and then like one episode yeah. of Transparent. So this kind of like Norma's actor, i think this is probably his big his biggest role in big breakout. He's also a very good singer.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I one, I'm so happy that he leads this show and when I found out it was him, I was like stoked because I know him just from Spider Man and mm-hmm. and you know, I uh, for better for worse neutrally so like i i know of him because he was a trans actor playing a trans character in those movies but it was so minor yeah. and people were making such a big deal about it that it was hard for me not to know who he was mm-hmm. um so for him to actually just be the lead character i was like stoked i was very very happy and yeah d- such a good job like i don't know I admittedly don't know like what any of these folks' background singing is outside of Pugsley and Emily Osmond but you said that like obviously that was something they were paying attention to. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I I'm I'm, yeah. I'm glad. I'm, I'm just glad. I'm just very glad.
1: Yeah. It's this the song too it's like so relatable too of like the self denial of like i'm not really that crushing that hard right like my favorite <laughs> my favorite one is it's not like i've drawn up plans for our wedding cuz that's a totally stalkerish thing to do and then my- juxtapose with seeing his wedding in his dream sequence in the song right. it's so good
2: <laughs> my favorite is when he's like i don't have a like full notebook of things we could potentially talk about or anything <laughs> And then they cut to Pugsley like cute eye rolling where it's like, Oh my God, you're so in love.
1: (laughs) I love his cute eye roll. It's my favorite thing. It's so good.
2: (laughs) It feels very much like a character on stage who isn't singing in the moment, but needs Mm -hmm. to be like reacting to the person singing in the moment. Like they nail that little body language of people on stage who aren't the focus.
1: Uh, It's so good. It's so good. Uh, And all the pictures in his album. I know, I know. They're so adorable. It's so adorable. It's great. It's great. After the song, um, you know, Barney works up the courage to talk to Logs, but <laughs> it's like a, this very funny, like, super fast delivery of, like, literally the entire <laughs> plot of everything that's ever happened on the show. Did you say something, Barney? Uh,
0: yeah, I, uh... Go on, say it. Uh <gasps> Logs, Pauline is abducting impersonators. impersonator. She abducted Jennifer Swann and she's going to do it again. This whole comeback show is an act, a scam. She locked us up because we found out, I swear. We have to stop her. Also, you're really cute. Want to go see a movie or something? <laughs>
3: huh?
0: I knew it. About Pauline? No. That
1: You wanted to ask me out. Uh, which, like, Pugs, like, face palms immediately after, which is very funny.
2: I need to know how many takes that took Zach Barrett dude seriously <laughs> so many words <laughs> he does such a good job
1: yeah. <laughs>
2: and it would be so hard to do
1: yeah yeah and also and then like logs is like okay well i'm like totally unfazed by like the whole evil ghost pauline stuff don't care about that yes we should absolutely go out this is 100% what i wanted here let's go like it's, it's <laughs> great <laughs>
2: i've
1: been trying to ask you out all summer i've been trying to ask you out all summer cuties very cute very cute i love them love them together they're adorable that leads us to the reprise of the phantom of the theme park song uh, it's really cool. it's so short <laughs> and very brief but it's like so fucking epic yep yep
2: <laughs> yep uh love a reprise come
0: on kids you
1: It's uh, Pauline's concert. The entire audience is there. The entire audience is chanting this, like, seal the body up chant, which is a thing we heard back in the the first episode, too. Like, it's a thing that, I guess, permanently sealed the possession or whatever, right? So It's so um, creepy. It's very creepy. Courtney's also, like, helping cast this spell. And so, like, the seal the body up thing happens. And, like, there's this really cool moment. It, like, transitions into, like, a more bigger bombastic version of the phantom of the theme park song um and it and this is like an even more villainous version of it she's like i'm a phoenix baby and <laughs> born again uh, as <laughs> she's I like know, floating born again
2: born again is just like it hits so right
1: yeah it's so good i mean that's coco proof fucking nails the l- like the villain delivery with that and she's like floating in like green energy and everything it mm-hmm. all looks so good and i also love like the really like cool like Again, I hate using the word epic so much, but, like, it does feel like that. It's very dramatic. Like, the yeah. cutaways to Barney and Pugsley, like, watching this happen and then deciding to, like, run on stage um, to confront them. It's so cool. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Also, Patrick's parents and brother, are there, just up the stakes. So, you know, yes. they're in the audience. Yes. <laughs> just yeah, they're to make not, it more dramatic.
2: They, it's been an <laughs> ongoing thing. And so it makes sense for them to be here, especially with everything going on. But...
1: It is just funny that like they just cut and they're like, oh, they're here too. Anyway, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. just keep I mean, putting it matters. up for later. Yeah, it matters it just for doesn't later. Doesn't matter a whole lot until later, <laughs> right? <laughs> or Even I think the next episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but
2: they got to set that up, so it's good that they're right. There.
1: So it's it's fine. It makes the ending that much more you know uh, dramatic when it happens. Yeah.
2: Do you do, for, of the of the the good musical or even I guess the bad ones musical episodes of other TV that you that you remember or watch or whatever? Like, do they do like these? cool, like, multi-scene, big multi-character intersecting numbers
1: like this show did? Uh, Some, like, the Buffy, Buffy one does it a couple of times, but, like, the extent to which this one does it... I don't feel like it's that common because I think they're hard to do, you know, like that requires a lot more moving parts, especially when it's like different. Yeah. Hard to write different characters and different scenes are going to be hard to shoot in live action. Um, So I don't think it happens as much. And I do think that like, this is a weird thing, but like, I feel like a lot of musical TV episodes don't do reprises very much either. Like, Uh, you know, uh,
2: uh. But I love a reprise. <laughs>
1: I do too. Again, like Buffy does that, but that's also like the, the top tier example of it. A yeah. lot of them don't really, um, or at least, you know, maybe it'll be like the song at the beginning and the song at the end or something like that. This, sure. this episode reprises stuff a lot and it's always in a different context, slightly tweaked and often like joined by another singer in a yeah. way that makes the whole thing be like such this really great, such a really great cohesive whole.
2: Yeah. Well, to me, exactly. Exactly. To me, those moments are what make it a cohesive musical, whether it's one episode or a two hour musical or whatever the case is. Like, that's the stuff that brings things together and makes it feel like a whole piece. And I feel like throughout this whole episode of television, as it builds and builds and builds, like you really don't feel like anything is left behind or like out of place or anything. like it just it all fits together. Uh, and I think they I mean no surprise again we the people writing this uh crushed (laughs) it but like I just oh it's so good
1: yeah so Barney and Pugsley try to convince Courtney to like help them stop Pauline instead of helping her they kind of make her realize that like if Pauline like needs you for this like this like simple ass ceiling spell how do you know she can like send you back to hell and Courtney's like shit (laughs) I guess I've been used haven't I
4: (laughs) (sighs)
0: Is what true, Red?
4: You don't know how to send me home, do you? You just wanted the
0: spell. Oh, so you figured it out. I might not be able to open the elevator, but I can send you to the underworld another way!
1: Bring it on. So she confronts Pauline for using her and they start to fight. Um, my favorite thing is like Pauline's like, "Yeah, I guess he figured I was I was lying. I might not be able to like open that elevator to hell, but I can send you to the under underworld another way." It's mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god. Jesus."
2: Yeah, she reaches full villain, right? It's, I think it's yeah. why I like that they didn't give her that sort of like sympathetic song cuz then she can just be this like vicious uh character in this scene.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, however of course we know that the body Pauline isn't happening right now even though it looks like Pauline it is Norma under all of that so nobody wants Norma to get hurt so Pugsley stops them he stops them with magic but because he's using magic one more time it causes uh, the demon within him Temelukas that fucking name is like I had such a hard time writing it in these notes Temelukas, Luca (laughs) Telemus, Temelukas.
2: I feel confident that when I read the book I was saying in my head telemachus and then when I heard them say it I was like oh my god it's not that I was saying it wrong I was literally reading the letters out of order
1: (laughs) (laughs) telemachus makes more sense as a demon like it seems like it flows more as a demon name Temelucus. it sounds like like Lucas, but with a prefix, like it's so, I don't mind it. I think it's funny. It gives this, it gives this shows like demons a little bit more flair that like their names are just hella weird sometimes. Yeah. Well, I
2: think they're all pulled from something, right? I saw something Hamish was saying like, um, Like, these aren't the, you know, I'm not representing these in any particular way. These are, like, names used for demons or angels or whatever these sort of, like, strange mythological characters are in many different ways. So, like, Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm finding names that are part of, you know, the already existing canon of demon names.
1: Okay, that makes sense. I didn't, I didn't know that. I I assumed that because I know I recognized some of the names they were pulling. Um, I wouldn't have expected Tema Lucas to be like a name from lore, but... I mean, I don't sure. know any of
2: these names other than <laughs> yeah. there was a reference to Beelzebub, you know? Right, right. <laughs>
1: That's about <laughs> sure. where
2: my knowledge ends. <laughs> I'll take your word for it,
1: man. <laughs> yeah, so re reemerges and possesses him again, uh, which leads to my personal favorite song and musical sequence of the whole episode. It's too late.
0: He's taken over. What? Who? Me! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, don't mind if I do Did you miss me, little doggy? I've been sleeping deep inside It's been craved kind of boring So how's about restoring me? I'll take you for a ride Actually, I'm good No, thank you I've been doing fine without you With my powers and my voice Yeah uh, Whose powers are those really? You didn't come by them freely Put me in the driver's seat. Look at yourself. You just two feet tall and made of meat. But being me is the best thing you're ever gonna get. I promise you that. So you might as well put me in the driver. Put me in the driver, put me in the driver's seat.
2: <laughs> this is interesting, cause this is one of the ones I, I do know some trivia about. Oh yeah? Yeah, because I as I understand it, this song was last minute. Yes. like it wasn't originally in it they wrote apparently wrote it in like a couple days yep and what I saw was uh I, I don't know if this is from Hamish uh, I don't I don't know who said this or who clarified this but like it was only possible to include with minimal animation they couldn't do backgrounds or do anything too in- intricate because of the last minute nature of it mm-hmm. so I think it's probably very exciting for folks to hear that this is your favorite
1: yeah well I read I read the background. Yes, you're right about the two the day thing. That's to, yeah, that's what I read, too. And
2: part of it had to do with because they didn't have Pugsley's like part right. of it had to do with the casting of Pugsley. Right.
1: Yeah. So they didn't know who they were going to cast as Pugsley when they were writing this musical. Um, and, you know, and then they were going to have that first opening song by Pugsley. But then when they cut that, they're like, OK, well, we cast Alex Brightman, <laughs> who was a Broadway star in Beetlejuice. Right. So he's he's most well known. He played Jack Black's role in the School of Rock musical. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that, I think that I think that was his big his biggest his big break. And then yeah, currently I think currently he is Beetlejuice in the Beetlejuice musical, um, which I really want to see. Me I've too. heard so many good things. that look so good. All the songs I've heard from it are so good. I want to see it so bad, and I want to see it even more having watched this show. Right. And, see, and like I'm like, well, now I have a connection to Alex Brightman, so I want to like see mm-hmm. him on stage, his Beetlejuice voice. Voice is very similar to the Temelukas voice that he has in this episode which is like how the fuck do you sing like that without annihilating your voice for the rest of your career I supposedly know. supposedly, I, I don't remember where I heard this someone on another podcast was talking about it but I think like he that has obviously come up in interviews and stuff I think he likes he claims that he's come up with a way to do that voice without it ruining his voice I don't know how you yeah, like no, know that it won't but I, there,
2: I know this is a thing and I know this because of screamo music i know that Mm -hmm. there is a correct way to do like a growl or a scream or something like that that won't ruin your voice and i know that there's a way to absolutely fuck up your voice because skrillex who was part of a band from first to last absolutely did annihilate his vocal cords on a number Mm -hmm. of occasions Um, and then you have certain singers like even adele who isn't known for texture gravel like i think still ended up taking vocal lessons to like change how she was singing to make sure she had a greater longevity. Like she was singing quote correctly. So I know it's a thing. It just is wild to me that something that sounds like this wouldn't wreck you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Supposedly he knows how to do it and he's doing it in this episode as like he does on Beetlejuice. But I think, you know, once they cast him, Um, They were like, well, we have to have some kind of song for Pugsley if we're cutting that opener, since we've got a literal Tony nominee. Um, (laughs) Right. (laughs) So it makes sense. Um, But then, so they they write this song, which is in the driver's seat, which is a duet between Pugsley and the demon Temelukas, both voiced by Alex Brayton. I love that. Yeah, both. So it's a duet with himself, except he's basically doing his Beetlejuice voice for Temma Lucas And it's fucking astounding. The one thing I'll say is, like, I read the same thing you did about this, like, the no background thing, like, limited animation. Um, and I, I don't know exactly where that came from because I, I couldn't find the source. I almost am like, the the no background thing makes sense, but I almost can't imagine the, the limited animation thing being true because the animation in the sequence is like fucking visually stunning. So like, oh, yeah. I don't <laughs> like, it's kind of sure. Like, it seems like it was still a, an incredibly complicated sequence to do because it's like, this is basically a riff on, I think the most reminiscent of friend like me from Aladdin. Yes. Both visually and and uh, musically. Yeah, strong um, it, vibes. <laughs> yeah, except it's also like a villain song instead of like the genie friendly singing. Mm-hmm. It's like a demon, like basically manipulating Pugsley, be like, no, oh, it's cool. I I know it used to be evil, but like, I'm good now. I'll help you. You need me to help you. You can't do this without me. I promise I'll give you your body back after it's over. It's fine so that Pugsley will like eventually give way to it.
0: I never asked for you inside me. I might just kick you out. You tried to kill us! Oh, that was then I beg forgiveness So tell me Pug, do we have a deal?
1: The reason I love it so much personally, the concept of it being like one singer having a duet with himself with two totally different voices that he had to record separately because they layer it over each other sometimes. So I can't imagine how complicated it was just to record the the song. But then that on top of it being like this really fun villain manipulation song on top of the visuals um, of it taking place inside of Pugsley's mind mm-hmm. in a black void, which, you know, is the shit that I love. I of love this, like, battle to the center of the mind stuff. And then the way they present it is through these like the, these sort of like abstract, like surreal visuals of like. Pugsley like turning into a car and like his body being broken apart and rebuilt and like regular Pugsley singing to like green demon Pugsley and the demon like singing in his mouth and making him dance. Like it's so fucking cool, man. I love it so yeah, much. Well, it's,
2: it's funny too, because even if, even if it is true, the background thing is true, it, you can point to things that make it seem like maybe it's not. And this just was the right choice, right? One, the fact that the song that was cut was meant to be over a black background too, right? And was supposed to be pretty minimal in its uh, imagery, you said, right? Like the yeah. the lips and stuff. Um, but then also this, yeah, it's that surreal inside the mind, almost like Dumbo-esque uh, surrealism stuff going on like it mm-hmm, just makes yeah. sense like what 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 else would you have there i mean i'm sure they could come up with stuff but this feels right
1: yeah and th- yeah yeah and the stuff like uh, the backwards norma heads that talk that like dance around uh, him Oh, yep that that felt the most like dumbo to me I, that's that's a really good pull. i didn't think about that but there's definitely like dumbo vibes uh like the pink elephant kind of thing right. except with like norma's like the back of her head having a face and then dancing around him like backwards is yeah. so fucking such a cool visual.
2: And even just like the Pugsley turning into a car and driving on an <laughs> uneven road. Like it feels <laughs> yeah. like old, weird wobbly animation. You know what I mean? Like where everything is elastic. Like yeah. it just, Oh, it's immaculate.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This one gets stuck in my head so often. I mean, <laughs> all of them kind of do because I've yeah. also listened to this this musical. So I have had to listen to it piecemeal on YouTube because you want to officially uh. fucking release the soundtrack. But I've listened to all of these so much. This is definitely like on my top listens. It's just, yeah. it's all so incredibly good. And this was one of the things that I was referring to earlier where like I don't think that this plot point would have worked as well if it wasn't part of a musical sequence. Like, I think it's really hard to make it believable that Pugsley would give in to the demon inside of him, like be convinced Mm -hmm. to be taken over by it. I think they could skip over that and just have the demon take over Pugsley, but it wouldn't be as interesting as seeing Pugsley wrestling with that idea. And if he's going to wrestle with that idea of having the demon take over and why that's like a better choice in the current situation, I think it's presented better through song because for one, your suspension of disbelief is always a little bit, you know, you're, you're more willing to accept those types of things, but also like you, I kind of agree with everything that Tema Lucas is saying in the song because mm-hmm. he sings it really well. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I guess you should let him take over your body. I mean, that does seem like the best choice, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's very seductive, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think this is one, I think that just some guy is one too. I think when we were talking about like certain things wouldn't hit as hard uh, if they weren't presented musically, like this is the prime example, but, but yeah, I think there's a few for
1: sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, good shit. Like I said, favorite song. Uh, I remember I I was blown away by watching the whole rest of this because it's like literally nonstop after this. Mm -hmm. It it pits the pedal on the gas because now that Temelukas fully possesses Pugly's body, he makes quick work of Pauline. He's like, I'm back, baby. I don't like you. I'm going to exercise you. Mm -hmm. So she's gone out of Norma. She's gone out of the rest of the episode. Like our main villain is just Out of there now. And Lucas is like, I'm the villain now, baby. And he sings, like, his own rock ballad. Guess
0: who's back inside your dog? It's your king, your demon god. Lucas is my name. Family reunion is my game.
1: (laughs) Which feels like kind of, uh, this whole sequence, I feel like, is all Little Shop of Horrors. Like, just the... The end section of it where things are bad and darker, basically. While at the same time, his sister, uh, Zagan... I think is how it's pronounced. I, I honestly didn't know, catch what her name was when I was watching it and then just looked it up after the fact.
2: Yeah. I don't know, at least in this episode, I'm not sure if they say her name. I don't think
1: they say it in this episode. I imagine they say it in the next one, I just, and I just don't remember how they said it. But I'm going to say Z- Zagan shows up, who's a sister. She was teased in an earlier episode, so it's not out of nowhere that she's showing up. Um, but she shows up during this rock ballad. She is voiced by MJ Rod- Rodriguez, best Ugh. known for Pose. I, the one it's not even a criticism one thing that i wish i had in this episode i don't know where it would have fit it would have needed to be like extra long i wish mj rodriguez got more got like her own song because her voice in like the two verses that she gets yeah. in this song in fucking incredible.
2: i love her voice so much <laughs> i love it so much it's
1: heavy it's your- it's like she's like oh th- i i have like literally like two lines of uh, two verses of, of a song all right well i'm gonna make it the most i'm gonna make it the most it's gonna be the biggest anyone's ever sang <laughs> in a musical ever packed into these uh two verses right now yeah it's such a great entrance
2: it's great it's really fantastic and yeah, yeah. when i saw it was her i was like holy shit like this is it's just incredible like I don't know if it's because it was somebody I mean I don't know Hamish Steele personally right this is not Mm -hmm. somebody I am am personally acquainted with so I don't know if this is just because I followed him on Twitter that like there was that sort of familiarity but like seeing the people that are involved in this I'm just like so happy I'm like holy shit you got this person holy shit you got this person like it just (laughs) feels bigger for some reason I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's good, it's good I love her in this, it's great But yeah, I mean, it's basically like <laughs> Oh shit, uh, the demon And now the demon sister and her demon army Have mm-hmm. showed up, that's not good That's very, very bad, actually And then their rock ballad Is cut off by Courtney Who reprises down there Very dramatically, in a way that like flows Extremely well Into the rock song that they were just singing
4: No! It was I Who actually did it What's your brother?
1: Those aren't demon cubs. What? And just is basically like, no, man, I made this happen. I deserve to be able to go home after all this <laughs> shit I have been put through. Please, for the love of God. And then, even better, they still like, they still kind of subvert this like big dramatic, like belting song, because everyone is clearly like kind of exhausted by it like when she's doing it like I think Norba and Barney look at each other like is this really happening right now and then like Zagan like yawns while this is where having her amazing note right yeah I was gonna say
2: this is the one where she holds out the note and then holds it out higher like changes the note and holds it even longer yeah so good
1: (laughs) yeah and then Zagan's like hey um and then cuts her off in the middle of her big (laughs) big her big belting out note it's just like actually those aren't demon cuffs they're angel cuffs oh what does that even even mean and courtney's like what mm. and she's like whatever i'll take him off it's fine okay go and then courtney just like pieces out <laughs> mm. it doesn't matter for this episode other than the fact that like courtney is actually getting what she wants which she's yeah. literally getting the resolution of her i want song yeah she pieces out and then just to, like basically be a jerk zagan just turns everyone in the audience to stone including barney's parents which is you know um. A reason why they were there. It's all kind of funny how it plays out. Cause she's like, uh, stop talking!" And I'm like, "Shouldn't the entire audience be like screaming and terrified right now?" I don't really understand, but I think fine. they
2: do the thing where um this is another reason why the parents are there, probably because it's somebody that we recognize and and whatnot. But like, I think they do the whole thing of like, "Oh, why is Barney in the show?" Yeah, and Patrick does say like show. it's not a show, but it at least gives us somebody that we recognize to to i guess we i guess we're supposed to give them the benefit of the doubt because we know who they are and they're saying like oh what an interesting spectacle all of this is
1: yeah, I guess you can imagine they're sort of like, oh, I guess this is an entire play, so we're not going to be cheering during this because you yeah. want to hear what these characters are saying. And then Barney's parents start like looking for Patrick and yelling out, where'd Patrick go? And it's like, so th- at that point, they are the only people that are just randomly yelling from the audience, which is how the whole stone thing starts. Everyone freaks out, starts screaming, everyone gets turned to stone. So yeah. there you go. That makes sense.
2: I do wish. I mean, it's all very effective, but one of my favorite, but also uh, favorite in that I appreciate it a lot, but least favorite, and that it makes me so uncomfortable, is when an audience isn't aware of the tragedy that's happening. Yeah. So if they had sold it even more, that like the audience thought this was all like a, a an amazing spectacle, like right. I would have simultaneously been very excited and very crushed at the same time.
1: Yeah. The entire audience has, Literally everyone here Has turned to stone Except for Norma and Barney Zagan and uh, Tema Lucas And Pugsley's body Just peace out <laughs> And like leave Deuces Deuces Which is how we transition To our end song Which uh is a reprisal Of Dead End Which then gets Like uh, uh Mashed up with With another reprisal Of Down There
0: But
3: days like today Make all
1: great closing song it's like this sort of triumphant like the adventure continues let's get to work kind of song mm-hmm. you know and it is literally just like Barty and Nora being like we've got to save the world now we, let's do it and then Courtney also getting what she wants and the way that the, the, uh, the two songs like merge together sounds really beautiful it's again very epic like the way that it ends like it's really ending on like a high energy note and then the elevators close as Courtney goes back to hell just like a curtain closes on the end of a musical, a uh, real play. Crushed it. <laughs> Crushed Bravo. It. Crushed it. It's so good. And then the end credits are like an instrumental of "Down Here, uh, uh. Down There," which uh, it's really cool.
2: Which is different from the rest of the series, right? It always has the yeah. same song, except for this one.
1: Except for this one episode, exactly. Which is great. Exactly. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. It just—I mean—it ends you, and it, it ends with such a fu- like. It's, it's just, it's such a, it's a good cliffhanger, but it ends like in the way that a good, even though the story isn't over, right? Like it's nothing is resolved at the end of this, but it still feels like the way you feel when you have finished, when you have finished uh, seeing a great like, great musical theater, right? Like, you leave feeling this, like, tremendous, like, buildup of energy that's just been released, like, on stage in front of you, you know? It
2: it feels like the end of the first act right before an intermission, and you're just like, oh my god, I can't wait for more, or whatever's gonna yes. happen next. Like, I yeah. need to know what follows this up, which I think... You know, I, it, it's wild that this is the penultimate episode, but it also somehow makes perfect sense because, like, how could you not just be, like, so eager to know? I can't imagine this having been, like, a weekly drop on a network or something and just having mm-hmm. to, like, wait a week after this number. Be like, yeah. oh, I'm so, like, so energized right now.
1: <laughs> Seriously. I know, right? Yeah, it's, 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 it's good. It's good. I mean, and I think it's... This is an episode that I feel like whenever I look search for people talking about this show, this is like the number one thing that comes up all the time. Like this is if anybody picks an episode to talk about, it's going to be this one at this point. And I think for good reason, because it really is just it's so indicative of every good thing this show does. And it's also just generally just an incredibly impeccably well-made, high-quality musical, yeah. period. Not just musical TV episode, yeah. but just musical, period. Like I said, I have been listening to the soundtrack way too much <laughs> over the no past month thing. or so. so. <laughs> <laughs> it
2: really is like, you know, I want this show to get more seasons, at least a second season. I would love for it to get more. Um, and, and, you know, that's what I truly want. But if it didn't, like there's so much this show already accomplishes yeah in like outside of this episode but if it never gets any other season content anything just the fact that this episode exists and is something that can be referenced back to that that can be watched can be celebrated like it just like it's such a mass it feels like such a massive accomplishment
1: yeah it's it's so masterfully done yeah man Uh, oh it's good good did you have any other any other closing thoughts any other things we didn't talk about or touch on that you wanted to bring up
2: I mean not for this episode specifically so like my thoughts on that are done but I, I because this episode is such a spectacle I just want to, I guess close with like this show is very special the whole show is very special I think it tells stories that you don't often see in a way that you almost never see them um, and, and every character has something that I feel like somebody out there hasn't seen represented enough. Um, It just feels important from beginning to end. And it still manages to have like this incredible story going on at the same time. Like it never feels like one thing is pausing for the other. It's all intertwined in such an incredible way that feels like a celebration of both the people Who are in the story and the story itself, which is just so cool. And I just cannot congratulate the people who made this enough on, on the show that they made. It's just so good and important and beautiful.
1: Absolutely. I second all of that. Very, very well said. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Doug, uh, thank you so much for talking for quite a long time about this very hefty, challenging How could you episode. Not? I know. I knew this is going to be a big one. I, <laughs> I, I'm glad that I had you on for it. I knew you were like a little bit worried about doing something this big, and I think that we tackled it very well because, uh, I mean, yeah. I, I'm, there's definitely stuff that we missed in it, too. So I, If I'm nothing else,
2: I've got the podcasting stamina for this.
1: Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Doug, if anyone wants to, uh, you know, hear your updates on your missionary work, oh um, yes, where can they find you and everything you're working on?
2: Yeah, if you'd like the reprise to my intro song or updates <laughs> on my missionary my missionary blog uh, or just <laughs> anything. Best place to start is on Twitter. You can find me at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. And if you'd like to hear me on other podcasts, perhaps, uh, Derek and I have one that's weekly. It's a, it's another animation uh, thing. It's all Spider-Man stuff. It's called Walloping Web Snappers, and we deep dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. Um, I also talk about Pokemon on a podcast called Victory Road. Uh, and I have a podcast with two of my friends, Katie and Vicky, uh, which is part video game club, part book club, and that's called Novel Gaming. You can find any of those where you ever listen to podcasts.
1: Cool. If you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. Doug already mentioned one of my other podcasts that I do with him while Web Snappers. You can also find another podcast that we do together oh. called Falling with Style, yeah. an ongoing Pixar movie marathon, which is a monthly podcast diving into every Pixar film chronologically. You can also follow this podcast at gimmickspod on Twitter and Instagram for some extra goodies and email me your questions, feedback, and corrections to gimmickspodcast at gmail.com. Please, of course, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on any platform you use. And until next time, friends, keep being weird.